Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you just communicate with really cool people who are talented in the industry, somebody probably knows somebody. You know, there's not a lot of drift events that have an emphasis on atmosphere, and that's what I wanted to go for. Drifting is now getting to the point where I think a lot of people are realizing if you have a higher barrier to entry, you have a lot less problems down the road. One of the most interesting things that I've seen in some of the events across America is how they'll like not let you drive if you're on stock wheels. Probably the wildest burnyard I've ever seen. Ben Hobson burnt his car to the ground. It's so funny to see T-Pain go from being judged as like a hip hop artist to proving his worth. Side note, T-Pain edits his own music videos. I saw Chelsea Denofa rap like half of Enter the Wu-Tang. If you go to SEMA, meet people is number one. You never know who that person knows. The fact that lighting a car is not in our DMV curriculum is mind blowing. They said that I couldn't do it, so I wouldn't do it. Welcome back to the number one drift podcast on YouTube. I am Dawson, and we have today back David Patterson from That Dude in Blue. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me sound like actually mean, and I hate being mean. Nah, (laughs) it's like one of the most humble, anyways. Thanks, dude. In blue. <laughs> All right, that's the last Perfect. one. Perfect. All right, last enough one. dad jokes. Yeah, that's right. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, before we get into it, of course, hit the subscribe button. So look below the video. If that button is still red, go ahead and click it and hit that bell notification while you're at it so you're always updated with every episode. Uh, but don't forget, if you want to be the highlight of the outro, if you've seen it, do a little iPhone, you know, put your reel there. Uh, make a reel of your car, tag me in it, and the one with the most likes at the end of the week will be Spotlight. But that's actually all I got for the intro, so I'll hand it off to you and let you give your second introduction to the podcast. Sure. Uh, I just thought, yeah, it, would, it was just awesome seeing you there, and at the same time, just seeing the progress of your podcast, one, has been awesome. Uh, two, I thought it would be a good thing to kind of give a perspective on this wasn't my first event but it might as well have been yeah from how much preparation was involved and it was just so extraordinary and i also just wanted to come on here to thank everybody who came because we had drifters from all over the country not just the oh, east yeah, coast dude. uh shout out to ty who drove from toronto canada uh, yeah, in the MX3, the mid-engine oh, okay, MX3. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you guys aren't aware, I actually just reviewed it video. I'm plugging myself. Um, but yeah, knows. but uh, <laughs> just reviewed it in exchange for him to come down. Uh, Mazda MX3 uses the engine from the Ford Probe 
uh, right. yeah, the V6. And okay. it's the same engine that was in the Mazda MX-6 that most people don't remember. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Probe and the MX-6 were the same car. It was supposed to be the new Mustang, which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, and this is some myth or legend, but according to some people I know at Ford, it's true. Like 50,000 like handwritten letters came into Ford going, don't you dare make that oh the Mustang. Because, you know, it was front I wheel believe drive. It, front wheel drive, V6. Uh, they're trying to capitalize on the compact market at the yep. time, you know, because yep. the Japanese were really starting to take over. And yeah, they're like, okay, fine. So they changed the name to the <laughs> yeah, probe. So <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a huge cult following with that platform I had no idea about. And yeah, because yeah, I, I had a, um, somebody come down and let me review Ford Probe and out of like the 20 cars I filmed that week, it got the most views What <laughs> for background, just for background, uh, going into Ty's video. Huh. And so when I went into Ty's video, um, I, I had no idea what to expect, but it pushed over, I think he said it was like 38 pounds of boost. Holy shit. Yeah, dude. No. Yeah, and it was like a light switch. So you'd get on it. Oh, and yeah. count to two on, and then on, on. all of it like nothing nothing <laughs> oh, nothing dude, 38 awesome. pounds or whatever it was yeah um it made 550 wheel with just one engine so that's people crazy, people might recognize man. it because it was on hoonigan at one point and had two okay. engines in it yeah so he had one in the front and one in the back i do remember that's that Ty. Now. yeah he drove all the way there oh, for that God. for daily transmission back then a clip of that in there yeah there you go <laughs> Anyway, uh, but that just, I'm getting sidetracked already, but the point of the matter is people came from everywhere, yeah. and it was so neat to see that everybody came up to me and thanked me for the experience, and they said, oh my God, this was better than I expected, and somebody asked me the other day, like, what was the moment you realized it was going well, <laughs> and it was uh, at Lanier on the other side. There's this tiered parking, like yeah. it's very tall. Oh yeah, and you climb to the very top, and it was full. One, that was wild. Two, I looked down and I said, "Oh my god, it worked!" Like just <laughs> kind of seeing all the work I had planned for two years almost. I dude, I'll say myself, like you, you can ask my girl tonight when she shows uh -huh. up. Dude, I looked over at her when I was pulling in, and I was like, "Holy fuck!" I expected this to be a good turnout, but not this fucking. Good. Uh, well, here's the thing. Me too. Dude, right, I mean, so, there were so many spectators. Yeah, there. Um, I for backstory, if anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, uh, I had this idea of a drift event called Cosmic Drift. The original working title was called like Hot Neon Nights or something, but okay. I realized it was way too close to like every other car event's name. You know, like Hot Import <laughs> yeah. Nights or whatever, yeah. and I didn't want it to feel like it was a a rip off of somebody else. And I couldn't come up with a name for like almost two years. So I'm sitting there scratching my head and I was up in Michigan and I did this thing with Can-Am and BRP okay. and uh, I gave Chuck Liddell a ride in a side-by-side, -side, <laughs> a turbo side-by-side -side at like almost 80 mile an hour or something, Chuck 70 Liddell or 80. Yeah. UFC <laughs> champ. When he stands next to you, you're like, hi, don't hurt me. Intimidation. Um, took him for this crazy ride along. I'll send you the video. Chuck Liddell, how was that? Oh, that was awesome.
Still fun? Um, well, we had nothing to do one night, and we go to this old bowling alley in Michigan, okay. and it had all the old school cosmic bowling stuff in it. No way. And so you remember that's the bowling balls that had the logo on it that said cosmic bowling yeah. on it? I was like, that's it. Because <laughs> because people, most people in our generation have been cosmic bowling at least once. That makes more sense with all the 90s graphics. Exactly. And, stuff like and that. so when, because when I would pitch the idea to people, they couldn't quite get it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you're like infusing dance festival culture with a 90s slash early 2000s aesthetic with drifting right because uh what people couldn't grasp was kind of the dance side of things because i've yeah i come from that culture and a lot of people don't know that but i've been a sober raver for like <laughs> for 10 plus years right so See, my girl's really big into edm stuff yeah i've never personally been to right. an edm show oh I man want to, I'll, I'll take you but like, yeah, i'll take look, you we need to go but. yeah so just to give you backstory in middle school i was the weird kid for listening to that electronic music you See, know i'm a big metal guy right I love so metal. but here's the thing is what's so funny about the metal scene and the like the dance scene yeah. is that there's one thing in common is that Headbanging. <laughs> Headbanging, but also you'll be taken care of. That's what's so yeah. funny. It's like the metal scene, yeah. you'll get the go in the mosh pit and you're getting smacked around. And the somebody's like, hey, bro, you need help up? <laughs> it's like, wait, what, <laughs> what just happened? Like, okay, you just showed me kindness out of knocking me out. But um, anyway, I went to my first music festival when I was 25 because I just didn't have the money to go. And then when I finally went, I came back and I remember being judged for it. And people going, oh, my God, like, how many drugs did you do? And blah, blah, blah. I was like, I just saw Pretty Lights. I thought it was cool. <laughs> you know, and I went there for the music and artists I've been listening to since I was 15. Yeah. Right. And I, I really dug that. But what really sparked my interest on this whole topic, and I know this sounds like a tangent, but it all comes together, <laughs> is that Electric Daisy Carnival, my favorite one, is in mm. Las Vegas. And it's at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. So okay. it's at the NASCAR track because they need all that space, right? Yeah. Um, the whole place takes three and a half weeks to build. Mm. It's it's serious, right? You're going to a it's different unreal. planet, right? And so um, I'm wa I remember watching um, a DJ I really liked called Layback Luke. And I'm watching Layback Luke, and I look down, and I see the rumble strips to the track. I mean, I'm standing on rumble strips. Sick. And I go, wouldn't it be so cool if you could – drift through an environment like this but for the masses yeah. right uh because um you know rtr did some of the spooky shred stuff and they did some led light crazy stuff mm -hmm. videos and i was like okay that's also cool so how do i do this for the mat like for a grassroots audience yeah so i started looking into it and i was like okay it's not going to be cheap oh no. um finding a sponsor to do the oval light was a huge struggle. So to give perspective to everybody watching linear raceway on uh caffeine and octane linear raceway, shout out to them. Cause they supported me um, on Google maps does not look big. Oh no. At it all. Looks tiny. It looks it's, tiny. The shit you not. It is massive. It's three. Absolutely. So massive it's three eighths of a mile. So when you call up a company for led to line the entire track, it's 22, 2300 feet of rope light, like the good stuff, like oh, rope light LED God. that's waterproof. Yeah, because you got to be able to see it from way up. So you're spending, if you didn't have a sponsor, you're talking probably 10, 15 grand. 
Yeah, so uh sure. so a company that's up and coming called Mega Racer helped me. Um they do mostly like headlight stuff and car accessories. Oh, wow. So they do, didn't even do a lot of LED stuff yet, but they were doing R&D to do like underglow and stuff. So they're like, "Oh, perfect opportunity." Gotcha. Um and the reason I knew about it was because this sequence of events is crazy. So <laughs> I I am so stuck on this LED. Like how am I going to get this lighting to create this atmosphere? Mm. And the rest of it, I'm like, I'll do it out of pocket. Like, I, I'll I'll eat it. I will invest two clapped out 350Zs <laughs> into this event, right? Uh, and I'll just make it happen. Yeah. But the oval light was haunting me because I knew without it, it wouldn't be quite the same, mm. right? To have that overhead atmosphere. So I get invited to go to racing school for primal racing at Atlanta Motorsports Park. To give you perspective, it's radical SR1s. Okay. Open cockpit, Hayabusa powered, 11,000 oh, RPM, shit. no ABS, no traction control, downforce car. So it breaks a lot of the streetcar yeah, rules to where when you that. turn in. Um, so typically, if you're like a Miata on track, you use something called the string theory, which is where your foot pedal and your steering wheel, you have an imaginary string attached to it. Okay. Yeah. Right. So yeah. as you exit a corner, you're squeezing the throttle, which is pulling the steering wheel, right? The radical, you still use string theory, but on a much less basis. So you can be at like almost nine or 10 o'clock and be flooring it. Right. So it Damn. really messes with your brain and at, Atlanta, and at Atlanta Motorsports Park or amp. There's a carousel at the very end that it's just this corner that just keeps on going. <sighs> and in the radical, you're about 10, 11 o'clock and you're flooring it the whole time. And if you don't floor it, you actually put yourself in more danger because you're not letting the downforce do its job. So as you're turning in, you're flooring it and you end up exiting the corner at almost 125 mile an hour. So you're just like, you're just like, you just trust the car, right? You're just like, I hope it does it. Nope. Yep. Don't so so <laughs> when people say drifting is dangerous, not even close to like road course racing. Yeah. That might stir some feather, feathers, but I'm telling you, You'll be fine. it's wild. <laughs> anyway, the reason I'm giving you all this context is that I was about to say, I, wait, how does that correlate? This is why. Lights? <laughs> so I go to racing school. I get my advanced wheel to wheel license, which means if I go to a track day, I can go to an event that makes me battle for position rather than pointing people by. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. if you go to a normal track day, a lot of times you'll just be like, Hey, you're faster than me or whatever. Now I can battle people in a series if I want. Okay. So they see that I did fairly well and they wanted some exposure. So they buy me a seat in the race and the what radical. The hell? So I go back to AMP and I'm going against a lot of people who are very experienced in these cars. And my other friend from gears and gasoline, Ben. Yeah. Is also there. Ben has more wheel to wheel experience, but I have more radical experience. Okay. So it was a perfect matchup. But for my first race ever, and I mean this in not the most arrogant way ever, I won. So I won. <laughs> I yes. felt great. Everything was good. But then this is where it all wraps around. My, one of my coaches goes, Hey, you did great. Well, let's go get dinner so I can tell you everything you did wrong. Yeah. I said, Great. So every I coach ever. <laughs> right. So I go to dinner and we talk about the race. We watch some of the live stream. He goes, you did this right, this wrong, excuse me, this wrong and this wrong. And so he puts the phone away and he goes, so like, what else are you up to? I go, I got this event. I can't figure it out. I'm stressed about it. I can't yeah. get the LED strip. He goes, I know someone. Oh, so 
he knew that he like he that. coached the owners of my title sponsor. Oh, so the stars just aligned, dude. Right. So perfect. I know it's a long winded story, but it's crazy if you just communicate yeah. with really cool people who are talented in the industry. Somebody probably knows somebody, mm. right? And just be open about it. And then I had a meeting with them, and they liked the idea of it. So the Mega Racer ended up providing the oval light and all our clipping points. You might have saw those yeah, too. Yeah. So what we had for clipping points were those, I call them the trendy Twitch stream lights that people put in the corner, like yeah. the big tube lights that are RGB. Kind of, Yeah, kind of like, like that, that, but like really bright. And That's uh, the cheap Walmart. Yeah, version. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but they had like 30 different settings on them. And so... When people stop drifting, we set them to red and white flashing. Like, oh. this is where you stop. Yeah. Um, That's smart. And one night, I was with some friends, and they're putting a battery box in their drift car because, you know, you got to have one. Mm. And I'm sitting there looking at my poor Google search history, dude. It's like LED, <laughs> RGB, LED, RGB, everything. And finally, I start digging, and I find these inflatable arches and they have RGB lights through them. I'm like, how cool would it be to drift under one of those things? Yeah. And it's so expensive. You know, so I look at it and my friends, I go to every person individually go, how cool are these? Would this yeah. make the event better? It's a risk, but would it make it better? They go, absolutely. Every I go, God dang it. So I remember <laughs> literally I'm sitting in. Indian style on asphalt hanging out with my friends Fuck. just like you know in a dirty shop you know what i mean yeah, that of kind of vibe and i literally closed my eyes and hit order because i didn't <laughs> want to look at it so that was the Dude, most that was the second most expensive thing of the entire event with those archways but it worked out because it added yeah. so much atmosphere we originally were going to have people actually flick under them and then we realized that a big country lab wing or something would slice that thing open. Yeah, I think you know, it's smart that you did it. At it the, is because you still get the kind of tunnel yeah. coolness out of it. And then um, the other thing, too, the last thing I'll touch about Cosmic is my main special sauce of the event is that Lanier has this carport. I was about to bring right, that up myself. Right. So it has this carport. So if you've never been there, uh, the way we stage drifting there is you have two lines. Typically, if it's not a busy night, mm -hmm. we have a single car lane. So, like, think of it a roller coaster. You know, like you have a single rider yeah, lane. Yeah, yeah. And then you have a tandem lane. And then they you know, they give three fingers, four fingers. How many yeah, cars? The usual. Um, but I always Almost. was like, okay, on a busy night at Lanier, how can we make this part not boring? Uh, see, that's why I wanted to bring it up because that's I love that you found a way to make the drivers more comfortable sitting in line, which is right. the worst fucking. It's part the worst. Of the it's the worst because if you go back to drag racing too, have you ever been drag racing? Not personal. I've been to drag races. Okay, so like, you understand it, but I'll give you an example. So, say you're driving a manual car and you go drag racing, mm -hmm. and you wait in line for like thirty minutes to an hour to, for your turn. And then you launch your car you and you spin. You're like, great, cool. And then you come back around again. You wait another 30 minutes and whatever. Lose and say you're just having, yeah, say, say you're just having a rough night, right? Then you miss fourth gear and you're like, ah, you know, like, Fuck this yeah, shit. right. Like, to be fair, test and tuned events are usually pretty affordable. It's a good motorsport to get into, but there's so much downtime. So with drifting, it's like, how do you eliminate the 
boredom of downtime. Yeah. And what we ended up doing was converting the carport. I had this vision in my head, like for two years, like how do we make the carport on an affordable level feel like you're going through like a space mountain or a different dimension to where it's like, it's building up to you getting to the drifting to where it's like, Oh, I'm getting excited. I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer rather than, you know, I just want to go. Right. And so, um, I just went ham ordering lights and I was like, I'll figure it out later. You know, um, the reveal video that showed the inside, of, like the, the first like glimpse. So of it, that was like one tenth of the lights that ended up I on figured. it. Um, and the reason is, was the biggest blessing in disguise was that we only had Dustin, uh, for like 10 minutes. Oh, so wow. what happened <laughs> was, uh, so we, he has camp drift. He was like teaching some people how to drift that day. They had a figure eight pit. It was really nice for people to come learn. And so we kind of organized like, Hey, can I borrow you for a shoot after camp drift? Cause it'll be dark out. Yeah. He goes, yeah, no problem. I went up on one of his camp drift events right. to do his podcast. Right. So I go, yeah, no problem. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we're having a good expectation. Like, okay, we'll have him for a little bit. We'll get it done. And we have this convoluted plan. Like, Oh, let's like put some of the rope light, on the oval and have him drifted or whatever. And then I just look at him like, ah, that's going to take a while. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. And then Dustin goes, Oh yeah. Uh, how long is this all going to take to set up? I go, Oh no. I go probably about an hour. And he goes, Oh, well I have to leave for Utah for oh, FD fuck. that night. So I look at my friend Hunter, uh, shout out to Makai media. He's a videographer. Who's very talented. Yeah. Um, and, I go, Hunter, we're in a situation. So I have an idea. I don't know if it's going to work, but let's just try it. Yeah. And so we only had the curtain lights on this each side. We only had the black tarps, you know, which were just to make it blacked out. We knew it wasn't pretty, but just to make it work. And we just like BS this whole thing. Like we put some black <laughs> worked, lights. On. We, we only did like half of the carport for the commercial. And because we just didn't have time. Yeah. So then I have a fog machine. Fog machine breaks. I'm like, oh my God. Because the whole idea was, okay, this was the idea. Okay. We this got ten, is YouTube. <laughs> we got 10 minutes, right, to do this ad and uh, or promo video. That's probably a better term. Yeah. We have Dustin pull up. I give him a call like, hey, you're late. Where have you been? And then what we did is we took um, my studio RGB lights and put them right in his face. So you can't really yeah. tell, but right behind the camera is all of us shining these rainbow lights in his face to make I him go. I could tell, but that's just, yes, but, I know how But just to works, get so. the, we realized that the night of the actual event was going to look way cooler, right? So we're like, let's just get people to understand what they're going to see is going to be really cool. Yeah. So then I go up to my friend Austin, they got the battery box. I go, so I need you right now. He goes, what do you need me? I go, I need you to do a big fat burnout because my fog machine's broken he goes that was, i thought no way so i go please <laughs> and he goes well okay and he goes right in front of the carport and the first one's not that great that's a real dude going back and forth yeah I'm, yeah that's perfect so so basically the first take is not that great dustin's tires are not really biting and getting that nice smoky burnout yeah and Every ounce of me doesn't want to ask Dustin again out of courtesy because I know he has to get on the road. But I go, Dustin, 
I know it sucks, but can you do one more and I will never ask anything of you ever again? He goes, all right. But no, but it worked out because the second take was way better. uh, And we just got it in Austin's burnout. We ended up having to hold his car down because he did it. He sent it so hard. And I got a piece of, I got a rock that flicked up and sliced my face open right here. Oh. Like, not nothing dramatic, just like a, right, like still, a cut. That's crazy. And I was like, for the art, you know, like, I'm like for <laughs> yeah. the art. Kodak Curve, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so Austin gets out of the way and I sprint to just, I go, go, go right now. And I'll try to send you some of the uh, behind the scenes footage. Yes, please. Um, That'd be hilarious. And uh, he does a much better burnout, gets that signature Jay-Z scream, and he goes out into the smoke, and it's like, perfect. So Nailed it. Yeah, so I go, that was a blessing in disguise, right? Since we only had him for 10 minutes, we had to get creative. Mm -hmm. And there's a famous kind of line in the movie industry when I was at film school was, the less budget and time you have, the more creative you have to be. Right. And that's why you see, like, I know this is a crazy example, like Spider-Man three with Tobey Maguire. You know, most people yeah. think that's the worst one. It was the most expensive one. It was five hundred million dollars to make that movie. And everyone's like, why? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? When, when the first two were obviously better movies. Yeah. And so it just shows that when you have too much of a budget, you might overly go ambitious mm-hmm. and overdo it. Overkill it. And so with Dustin, he, you know, he texts me and I edited that promo for about four hours straight. Uh, Cause you know, I had to, and that's without four animating hours. the cosmic drift thing. Yeah. Right. Um, and I had two people behind me. I had Austin who did the burnout and, my friend James Wood there supporting me. Yeah. And I was editing to the late night, like midnight to one in the morning. And I would replay it over and over and over again for them. And they'd be like, change that thing. Change that thing. Because cool, I had, had a drifter's perspective. Yeah. You know, and I went through probably 20 different songs. I went through, you know, so much to get that 30 second clip just That's right. That's what we do, though. That's yes. like, you have to. And uh, That's the reason you guys like it. And... The other thing about Cosmic Drift was I was really, really fighting for to have some kind of concert visuals there on that screens. Been cool, yeah. And I we did it. And oh yeah. So you probably yeah, I must not have noticed it. So in the pit, there's a big fat LED screen. Yeah. And then on the right side, you I it's so funny that so many people miss this. There was a 40 foot drive-in inflatable movie screen playing vis- DJ concert visuals on it. I'll show you photos of what it. What the f- Yeah. Yeah. So, but for reference, I, all but two, I animated myself and it took me days. Right. And oh, you told to, me at yeah. the event, the animations was like 10 hours. Yeah. Long yeah. Yeah. Shit. So I, lo- I had a loop that was 10 hours long. The, the file was 55 gigs big. Of what? 1080? A uh, 4K. 4K. Oh. Yeah, so it wasn't so That's bad. smaller than I expected. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah me too. What but I fuck? think it's just because it wasn't like a lot of processing power. It's just long. Yeah, it's just um, a bunch of I, I just went into Adobe After Effects and watched every tutorial imaginable, you know, and got her done. But, you know, there's not a lot of drift events that have an emphasis on atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted to go for. And, you know, I wanted people to come back with, it sounds really cheesy. And I said it in my driver's meeting, but I wanted people to come back with a memory and not just a driving experience. I don't you know what that's I mean? Cheesy. Like, yeah, that's because what sets it apart. Yeah, because it for because audience. it's one of those things where okay, great, 
we got the proof of concept. We did it, yeah. you know, and the cool thing is I did it almost all out of pocket. You know, I didn't hire a company. I didn't hire anybody to do the lighting. Now I can actually pitch it to somebody and say, yeah. look how, look at this. Yeah. How do we do this better? You know, how do we do it? Oh, yeah. And by the way, we're doing it next year. So, Sick. Yeah. <laughs> that um, was going to be one of my questions. <laughs> yeah, we're doing it next year. I'm going to try to go for the same date uh, because it's right in that sweet spot of you got Halloween going on. And then it's right before SEMA, so some people can make it. Yeah. Um, I might experiment by maybe going a week before or after. Um, but also it gets dark soon enough. Yeah. That's another that's thing. True. And it's not yeah. too cold. The weather was perfect. Like, it couldn't have yeah. been better. Oh yeah. And so just seeing people's like faces. A perfect breeze to the especially my, on top of the hill. Exactly. <laughs> my and also like uh, you know, T Pain was so kind to come out because what happened was he said he was going to come to my event with Nappy Boy mm-hmm. Automotive for months. He said, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. And I said, that's awesome, man. That's amazing. Because he's gotten so much better. Like, it is oh, exponentially he's, better. He's always well been pretty naturally talented. Like, a lot of people don't realize that Payne has been a car guy before he was famous. Like, that's the issue. That's what I didn't realize. Yeah, I didn't big know that time. Like, Nopi Nationals, like, yeah. old school car meets. Like, he he still has his first modified car. It's a no Honda shit. Accord. Yeah, from, like, the early 2000s. So, how... Okay, not to, like, branch off. No, but it's like, fine. How did that relationship come about between you and Payne? So, I'm sure many people are aware of the whole shop situation that Payne yeah. went through. I went through the same thing. So, that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, so, okay. so we basically... The common ground. <laughs> yeah, like, not to get too into it, but in a nutshell, we met due to that shop making a video with us. And so, mm. you know, we taught him his first figure eights. We taught him his first donuts, stuff like that. Man, and then I never sense. saw him again, you know, for a long time. Yeah. And it wasn't until it wasn't not anything personal, you know, it just, it wasn't until the fallout on his whole TikTok rant that I reached back out to him. And I said, Hey man, like you're not alone. Yeah. This stuff happened to a lot of people. Um, and then he freaking put my text message in his rant and I'm like, pay no, you know, Watch and, it. Yeah, Hold on. yeah. And I'm trying to be cordial. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, but no, after that, it was like, okay, you know, I got to do what yeah. I got to do. But what was really cool was he ended up starting to come back to Lanier more mm-hmm. because he finally went, um, shout out to Rob at, uh, auto extremes. Uh, he's known pain for like, years like decades i think everything good with audio yeah okay he's known just seen the time <laughs> yeah he's known pain forever and so he's been supporting nappy boy automotive and pain so basically encouraging him to come out to the grassroots events yeah, all the yeah. time and so he had it really turned the tide when he got the mustang so when he got the s550 he just had the fun have her angle kit on it and like e-brake and he got the wide body from rtr up in uh, Charlotte at the RTR yeah, lab. It's a very simple car. Oh, it's so simple. Is it still like factory really motor simple? intake and tune? I think yeah, like it's just got a wild livery on it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like no, Ben it, Hobson's car. <laughs> no, no. It's very like the setup. I would argue like Ben and his is pretty close. Ben yeah. just doesn't have the wide body and stuff. I've driven Ben's S550. Shout out to Ben, but I haven't driven Payne's. But when I've ridden with Payne, I'm like, yeah, yeah. It gives, dude, those cars are just they just work, great. right? They just work and. Uh, he also has a BMW. Yeah, not a Mustang guy. I hate saying that, but they work, dude. Well, I mean, 
Like nobody ever wants to listen to me about my white car sitting outside. No one. You know, it's a bone stock engine, never been opened, trans stock, drivetrain stock, everything stock, <laughs> suspension except Fortunato. That's it. And it makes 750 to the tire with 93 octane. And yeah. I drive it every single day. That's insane. That, but that's that what that's I mean. It's like, so I always try to encourage people if they, they really struggle with the whole Mustang thing, I go focus on the motor, focus on that, focus that first. Cause yeah. coyotes are the doing six seconds there, on stock just... blocks. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy. Not, not internally, yeah, but just course. on the block, you know? And so it's bananas. They're really reliable engines. If you just take care of them, they're going to go forever pretty much. Yeah. And they're um, relatively cheap. Yes. And that's what Surprisingly. I mean. So I've, we've talked about this before. Drifting is now getting to the point where I think a lot of people are realizing, and I'm not speaking for the entire drift community. I want to be absolutely clear. Yeah. If you have a higher barrier to entry and you save a little bit more money, you have a lot less problems down the road. So if you save up for an S550 off Copart, you know, mm. or you go get a C5 or C6 Corvette, or you get a E46 M3, that's in good shape. Yeah. Not yeah. clapped out shape. Yeah. Maybe just do minimal th- don't be like me and do these complicated builds it's i've learned my lesson right i have learned that simple is better especially that's in why everyone says the kiss method when i ask them what's your best piece of advice yeah because it's keep it fucking simple yeah stupid. no literally like just literally over complicating your first build the point is yeah. seat time go get it as with this basic of a setup as you can deal with like Sorry, Joey. My friend Joey, who works at the track, amazing guy, kept Cosmic Drift together on such a high level. I talked to him a little bit. Joey's Joey's great. Comes from the uh, Louisiana drift scene. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I just need to drive. I go, don't do it. And he goes, I found this BMW. I go, don't do it. And he goes, it was $500. I go, don't do it. Bad ideas. Yeah. And no, he gets it and it breaks in like the first day. Right. And it's not like a small break. It's let's fix everything. Yeah. You know, people don't realize when they buy a shell like that, you got to think of the nickel and dime. You have to think of ball joints, suspension, bushings, because all of that is stuff you go, oh, if the motor's good, it's fine. Well, then it's not going to be enjoyable to drive if it's not solid. Yeah. Right. Because you might be able to slide it around a little bit. That's exactly what I do. But it's with. a ticking time bomb. Yeah. You know, you go, oh, well, I have to do valve cover gaskets on the S54 or whatever. You know, you just have to go and go and go. Yeah. And you're always managing that. Meanwhile, Payne drives his Mustang because it just works. Right. Because <laughs> the E46 is a trials and tribulations thing. He had too tall of gearing in it, so it wasn't that fun to drive. So at Lanier on the far bank, it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. You would have to enter at like 60 or 70 to get it to do Dude. it, right? And um, also the bushings were bad, so it would pop out of gear halfway yeah. through a drift. So he got the, the shorter rear gearing. That fixed the problem. But you have if you have to think of somebody who's on a super tight budget, they can't just go buy. Yeah, they can't do any of that. Yeah, so. you're going to be stuck with what you got. Yeah. And... Because I, yeah. I did that with my my Z was only six hundred bucks when I got it, but like that's wild now, uh, dude. Yeah, good luck finding something like that. But um, like six hundred bucks, blown motor. So like I knew going into it, I had to do a little bit of work, but I had a buddy that was like helping me do everything. Sure, but I still didn't process the little nickel and the hundred dollar you to death type deals 
where you you'll spend more money replace the front main replace the rear main like stupid little gaskets and stuff that just dude, add gaskets up. will murder you oh it'll horrible, murder you like uh, my dude. jay-z's right yeah. my first jay-z who knows what happened to that poor thing you know because when you buy an engine from japan and you have no idea yeah you know yeah. the gaskets are leaking the rear main is done and then especially if you're a moron and had no wrenching experience. Guess what? You're going to do those wrong your first time. Almost always. Oh, yes. Almost always. You're going to have them squeeze out a little bit or you're going to have some leaks. And, and then you're going to want to say the it'll be fine. <laughs> and then that's when things get worse. Right. And I think a lot of people in the drift scene and just motorsports in general, they'll be like, it'll be fine until it's not, you know. And so I had a really good rule that somebody told me who's a tech i really respect don't, hold, don't bolt your, don't bolt check because yeah you'll find something for wrong real. or some shit like that yeah or you're like i have missing bolts in my hand or you know or i have extra bolts in my hand what happened now i will say most of the time you don't need those fucking bolts but yeah you know i agree but um there's a there's a mechanic i really respect named alan he's helped me through thick and thin over the past seven years and he goes Whatever you think you're doing, add 30 minutes to it because that'll usually oh, dude, will make an hour. You, but I mean, even if it's like, I don't know, like take a water bottle, right? It yeah. could be the difference between uh, a leak is twisting it just that extra notch, right? <laughs> just enough. Like it's just a little bit more time and care into something. Yeah. And because what I'm sitting in with the putting some extra sensors on the Z. Dude, I was calling my tuner, Jay Glasgow. That Are you still on that podcast. same ECU? No, it's on a link now. Oh, good. I got the link in there. I'm Thank throwing God. some extra sensors in there just because, like, I got stuck on the while you're there. Sorry. But, like, dude, I am I hate wiring with a passion. I mean, I sat yeah. there and bitched for, like, 30 <laughs> minutes to him last night because it's like, I hate how many fucking rules come with wiring. I hate the stupid shit. The colors don't match up. The yep. fucking, yep. I don't know what this means. But, like, dude, I just hate it. I hate it so much. And I'm sitting there trying to like give me terms like for dummies, just right. just just do it. I know like I know what you're talking about, but I need you to just do that so I can make it map it out in my head. And I have like each wires labeled with tape in there before I go to wire it in. And I'm standing there looking at the prongs to do the the connector, yep. and I'm like, I'm so nervous to do this. This is so simple, but I'm so fuck. I hate it. I just hate it. Wiring also just physically looks intimidating. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but there's With something the- about colored wires. Ooh, you know what it dude. is? Maybe it's all the action movies we watched growing up. They're like, not the green <laughs> wire, not that one. Don't cut that. Don't wire. cut that one. Blow. Meanwhile, your buddy who's super into wiring is like, snip. Yeah, I was cutting everything. My friend Matt Hall. My friend Matt Hall is a godsend. He is a wire. He's in my phone as wiring sensei. That like he's so good with it. He in my uh my uh drift coop that that series is coming out soon. By the way, finally. Yeah, I'm waiting um, for that one. Thank God. Oh yeah, for people who don't know, I built a drift car for seven years and it's been nothing but problems. But it's almost there. Uh, I drove it my first time. I shook it down at my event, which is the stupidest thing you could do. Um. Yeah, the power steering didn't work, so that was scary. Yeah, it's some tire issues. It, oh, yeah, just a whole bunch of stuff. But anyway, point of the matter is, he built that entire harness by hand. Yeah. You know, and some people just got it. Dude, that's why I, I spent a shitload of money on my wiring specialties harness. Speaking of, if you want 5% off, link in the description. They're good people. Dude, I've used them a lot. Fantastic products. Yeah, my GZ, but, my GZ harness is wiring specialties. Yeah. Dude, it's mint. It works so, like, 
Never mind. Anyway. And it's labeled. Yeah, that was the best part. I'm sitting there staring at every little label, looking them up. I'm like, oh, that just goes there. That goes there. That goes there. Side note, you know what's really funny is recently, this is an observation from one of the podcasts you just put out recently was, I think you had Luke on. Yeah. And by the way, I've never personally met Luke Fink, but he seems like a super, super nice guy. He's awesome. and funny as hell when he when he did the whole uh banging doors comment about the tire nicking yeah. thing dude i was at cosmic drift and i have heard so many people going i'm gonna i'm gonna do what he said you know you know, <laughs> you know instead instead of like yo let's like slam doors dude it's like it's like he ah, gave, got you, it's, motherfuckers. No, it's literally like he gave credibility to like not being an idiot you yes, know like dude, it's that so was the point. that's why i so wanted to make that one yeah because you know one of my least favorite things in the drift community is when somebody slams into somebody else's car, but almost on purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're like, oh, you got to get good mirrors. Yeah. And they're like, it's just drifting, bro. They're coming. Like, it's do you know how rare an S13 turn. door is now? You know what I mean? Like, you can't just buff that out, you know? Um, Hell no. It's just so much work. And then, then you got to get it repainted. Then you yep. got to do all the things. If you want your car to look nice, which most people want their car to look pretty nice. If you want good media, you want your car to look nice. Uh, yeah. And I mean, one of, the, one of the most interesting things that I've seen in some of the events across America is how they'll like not let you drive if you're on like stock wheels or something. That's dumb. I'm just going to say it. Like, Wait, that's just stupid. Where who does that? I'm not gonna say it, but no, several people they'll be like, you have to park in the back if you're on stock wheels. What state is that? Oh, in? it's I won't ask what company. East Coast. But... East Coast. Oh, so it's over here. Oh, Jesus. Get and West and West Coast. Together. And West Coast. And that's I would expect yeah. that out of West Coast. Oh yeah, me too. But you know, I I went to an event recently. No and, offense, but no, I went to an event recently. They were like, yeah, we don't let. Okay. I understand not having missile cars anymore that I completely get because it ruins it for everybody yeah. like blowing up motors like I don't care. Uh. Yeah. But when it Soaking comes to appearance down. and people are just trying to have fun, that's just silly to me. And if their car is in good working order, come on, yeah. you know. Um, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, that stuff is just weird to me because um, drifting. You know, everyone kind of argues that it's like, oh, it's like such a great community and all this stuff. And usually it is because nothing will warm your heart more than somebody snapping an axle and going, I got you, bro. I got one. Yeah, go you know, on I'll, I'll go grab one. Just pay, you know, PayPal me or whatever. Yeah. And it's all good. And, or I'll come rescue you somewhere. <laughs> like last night, uh, there was a stranded S13 at a quick trip. And yeah. I and every ounce of me was like, I gotta go check on them. Like, yeah, like <laughs> I couldn't even hold it in. I was like, not my brothers, you know. And, and, and so I, I pull up. That's awesome. I'm like, hey, are you guys okay? Blah blah blah. And they're like, oh, it's just some overheating stuff. I'm like, oh, typical 240 stuff. And they just bought it like three days ago. Oh, and I was like, hey, I go, did you at least know you're getting into this life? <laughs> you know. And he, he just gave me the nod, like, mm-hmm. sadly, yes, mm-hmm. I signed up. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> no i it's it's so interesting how like every car subculture has their thing yeah you know like drag racing it's a lot of like grudge racing and like talking smack and stuff like that drifting will have like the pit drama you know like like the different <laughs> different villages you know but that dude that scene from fucking denofa will forever be 
Oh, what's the so funny is the best thing that's I, ever happened in FD. Oh uh, yeah, I like, love you that sh- clip. You trying to fight, bro. <laughs> By the way, Chelsea, I love you. I love yes, you to death. Yes, yes. Um, because RTR. Um, I guess I can touch on that real quick. R- working with RTR is really cool, uh, because you've gotten to see kind of the path of not only the RTR brand but like the Fun Haver brand, mm. and um, how they market all this stuff is so smart. And how I want to meet Vaughn so bad. Have you bad. never Just, met Vaughn? Not in person, no. Really? I've talked to him through DMs. Like, okay. I, I messaged him about, like, I was like, dude, whenever you come to, a, you want to announce it, hit me up. Let's announce it on the podcast. Okay, Probably, so. Like, so doing my little pitch, but. So Vaughn, I I want to pick his brain. So Vaughn, I met officially in 2014 as a fan. Nice. Right. So I was waiting in line and like, <laughs> you know, yeah, I take a picture. And ironically, guess who I met the same day? Ryan Turek. The exact oh, same. So they were yeah, doing yeah. a meet and greet together at the 50th anniversary of the Mustang. Okay. And I was so excited because I had been watching since Vaughn had the first S197 Mustang, you know, like the retro one with the old Falcon livery yeah. on it. So like he was really my first introduction into American drifting. You know, it was like, Oh, people do this here, mm-hmm. you know, right out. It was right around the era of Tokyo Drift of 2006. So that's what really made me go, oh, this is a thing yeah. here as well, not just Japan. So meeting him was really cool. And I just remember it was pouring rain and it was freezing outside. And I walk away and there's this monster girl holding these invitations or whatever they are, like, yeah. or, like little <laughs> things. And I, I was like, she has to be cold. You know, that's all I'm thinking. <laughs> you, you know, they're in like a tank top yeah, or whatever. Barely wearing And so, shit. so I know she's holding something. And it, in hindsight, it was nothing special. She was just handing them out. But I thought that I might have to get one, right? Yeah. So I go up uh, very sincerely. I'm like, dude, you have to be freezing. <laughs> and we started talking a little bit. She was like, you're so nice. Come. And it was a after, RTR after party. So okay. it was like a little yeah, invite. Yeah. Hey, come to this address at this time or whatever. Anybody could come. It wasn't like some exclusive thing, yeah. but it felt special. Right. And so I remember going back to my hotel and sitting in my hotel. Remember, I'm by myself. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is the era of YouTube where like I, I still travel almost all on my own. But this is when I was getting used to being by myself. Yeah. Right. And so I'm in my hotel room kind of sitting, twiddling my thumbs going, I'm not a partier. I don't drink. And it's at a bar. Mm. I should go. Like I just had this. <laughs> I just had this gut feeling. None of it like, makes sense, but yeah, we're going. <laughs> you know, none of it did. But I think this is an important message that sometimes you just got to go out of your comfort zone. Oh yeah. And so I drive my thirteen Mustang Smurf to this place, like somewhere near downtown Charlotte, and I walk in. It is loud. It's you know, it's a bar, and oh, in the yeah. very back room, it's kind of quiet. So that's where I go. Nice. And uh, there's some like these me. long like tables with bench seats on them. Kind of like think of giant wooden picnic tables almost. And okay. um, I sit down and a friend of mine was sitting there named Rob Raybon, who is like the first guy or one of the first guys to ever bag a Mustang, like put oh. airbags on a Mustang. Cool. And he he's basically solely responsible for creating that whole trend. Like nice. it was just Shout crazy. You, yes, <laughs> Rob. Yeah. So um, I'm like, oh, good. I know someone, you know, yeah. and so I'm yeah, talking to Rob, to to. seeing how he's doing. And then Vaughn sits right across from me. He sits down. I go, oh, no, that's way. intimidating. <laughs> it, 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 not so much intimidating. I was more excited. Yeah. I was like, oh, I can actually like have a genuine interaction rather than like a that's meet fair. and greet. Fair, yeah. 
like there's nothing wrong with meet and greets, but they have their purpose, you know. And then there's like they're actually, in work mode, right, like right. And so say hi and bye. I said, and I go, "Hey, Vaughn, how you doing?" He goes, "I'm doing good." I go, "How was your day today?" Because he did some drift demos that day. And he goes, "It was very wet." <laughs> that's all. I just remember it like it was yesterday. I was like crazy yeah. damn that's crazy you know i was like oh like that God. never happened i'm like great i gotta say something more intelligent here <laughs> and uh he goes where are you from i go i'm originally from richmond virginia and he goes do you know a place called cloverleaf mall i go yeah that's where i learned how to drive manual it was this abandoned mall it was oh, like shit. one of the first malls that had the 90s downfall. You know what I mean? Okay, like yeah. slowly er- you know, eroding away yeah. in these giant open parking lots. He goes, I drifted there. Yeah, so they had drift events at this abandoned mall what? in the 2000s. That's tight. So I learned how to drive manual in the same lot he was learning how to drift in. So Damn. that kind of gave us a quick, like, like, yeah. And then I remember I asked him to sign my dash afterwards. I was like, this was a cool experience. I drive away. I remember just like being so stoked driving yeah. back to my hotel. Like that was a great experience. I tell, I tell people that if you ever want like an in with somebody, find common ground or a common enemy. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it was a genuine, nice conversation and he showed me, I remember the S550 was just about to come out. It wasn't even out yet. Oh, and so wow. he showed okay. me, he goes, don't tell anyone. He showed me the RTR S550 rendering. Like, oh. what do you, th- he's like, what do you think of it? I go, it looks awesome. That's you know, so it's really yeah. cool. And so that was the first time I met him and got to know kind of the RTR crew at all. Yeah. Like, I when I say no, I mean, interact with. Yeah. Acquaintance. Yes. <laughs> so years go by. Um, actually, no, years don't go by. What happens is a few months later, um, I go and I film FD my first time. Okay. And it's at Wall Speedway up in Jersey. Gnarly track. You know, real oh, quick yeah. switchbacks, stuff like that. And I can't get a media pass. And FD goes, hey, like, they, they basically say, no, we're out of media passes or something like that. Mm. Well, out of sheer spite, I go anyway. <laughs> so I drive all the way to FD wall, at Wall Speedway with a friend named Dan at the time. I stay with his family. We get there. And I show up geared up. I have a jib crane. I have a slider dolly. I have all this stuff. So I'm like, I'm going to make the most fire FD video of this year. And there's nothing they can do to stop me. (laughs) So I had no access to the inner part of the oval. Right. Mm. But it actually worked out because all my angles were original. Yeah. Right. So I found this corner on wall speedway where I could go into basically almost the trees near the bleachers and set up my jib crane and I could get over the fence and get them to come by. So I have all these really cool shots of wall and I'm just walking around taking B roll of all the pits. It's my first FD. So I film everything, right? Cause I'm not all the sense of wonder is there. So I come back, I edit it, I put it up and guess who downloads my video and puts it on their YouTube channel formula drift. Ah, no way. Yeah. This was, you said what? 2014. So I go, well, that's kind of crappy. But then I read their little fine print and I realized that I was in the wrong, which kind of sucks. And it says any audio video taken to this event, we can take. Right. So, so I was kind of salty about that. Yeah. I go, that's a bummer. And out of all the content that was out there, I, mine was like the only one they took. 
So I'm like, how I, different. but how ironic is it that I was the one who couldn't get the media pass? <laughs> they told you, they no, took they my video. <laughs> so I was honored and disgraced at the same time, right? So I go, you know what? I'm not going to film there next year. Yeah. Fast forward to next year, and about two months before, um, Black Magic Car Care, who was sponsoring FD, okay, yeah. goes, hey. How would you like to go to Wall Speedway and oh, film FD? <laughs> and I go, well, what's the catch? You know, in exchange for some videos. Mm. And they said, well, you get to ride with Vaughn. I go, mm. and I get to hang out with Ford Performance and film behind the scenes stuff. You caught me there. I got an interview with Vaughn. I got to ride along with Vaughn, all that stuff. And I was protected, copyrighted wise. So all my footage was nice. mine. So I went back. And it's so funny just to think, but to think of like us in the back of that bar, fast forward one year, I'm interviewing him, you know, and then riding with him. And then I remember he had an S550 EcoBoost RTR Mm, that they were prototyping. He goes, go take it for a spin, make a video on it. I go, okay. So I get in it and the security wouldn't let me out. Oh. They said, are you stealing Vaughn's car? <laughs> I was like, no, like I'm with them. No, call them now. I'm please. literally trying to get I, I, at the end. I've left it in the video that them like talk, like saying I'm not allowed to leave. I, and so I said, sorry, guys. At the end of the video, I was like, sorry, can't I do it. Say, I don't know. Yeah, but but that was like my first thing with them. And then fast forward as years go by, um, I get closer to their marketing and everybody else at RTR. I love all of those guys there. They're all really hard workers. They all do their job. Five Star Jim, who works at the front desk, is super cool. He's called Five Star Jim because his customer service is so good. Hell yeah. And um, yeah, just everybody there is, everybody there, I feel like deserves it. You know what I mean? Like it just, and seeing their marketing and everything at uh, Bowling Green, where I just was for Ford Fest. Yeah. They did this thing called like the RTR experience or something along those lines. And I came there as like a proxy to observe and film it. And so you could enter your car into like a raffle or a contest and you could win this experience. Mm-hmm. And so you got to ride with Chelsea and Vaughn. You got to go off-roading in their Broncos. You got to do all this stuff so in cool. one day. They just packed your day. And most of these people had never been on track before, never done autocross but before. Chelsea and Vaughn were only there for a day. Yeah, that's what year. I mean. That's yeah. crazy. So it's pretty incredible like that these people – got this amazing experience, you know, that they got invited by this ginormous brand mm-hmm. and said, Hey, you get to do everything in one day. So the fact that they're trying to spread that motorsport message, and I understand that a lot of people in drifting, they're like, Oh, it's the corporations, man. Yeah. You know, it's the big team, but there's a reason why they're a big team. Yeah. You know, unfortunately when it comes down to it, sure. They might have more funding and stuff like that, but until FD has some kind of cost cap, you know, it's it's kind of like F one, yeah. right? It's not. Of course, Red Bull is going to be faster. Of course, they're going to be faster than Williams because they have more money. But the thing is, with RTR, they also have really good drivers. Yeah. Right. So yeah. with, I mean, James the Machine Dean, and Dude, I mean, he's a fucking. Animal. He's an animal at SEMA. He's over there just in a cast, just watching everybody going. This is cool. Yeah. And I'm like, wait. So you did your last rounds with a broken collarbone? I'm like, that's amazing. What a you know? savage. Well, yeah, but anyway, <laughs> it, it's just cool to see that brand grow over the years and see what they've done. They made their products way better. Mm. Um, they collab with the right people. They do all the right things, you know, and that's why a lot of people might resent it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but it is what it is, man. I mean, it's 
their cars are fast. Fucking great for drifting. It's great for drifting because it's amazing. When I tell you, and I'm at Ford Fest, and people are like, "Oh, I've heard of them, but what mm-hmm. do they do?" You know, because you have Everything. the older generation. They're going, isn't that wasting tires? And then I have to explain. And I hate that conversation. Yeah, oh, I hate that conversation. Like at SEMA, this old guy was watching them do their demos. And he's like, what yeah. a waste of tires. And Mustangs are stupid. And I go, what? And then I was, I had a long day. Because you walk like 30,000 steps at SEMA, right? I yeah. go, so what's wrong with them? He goes, well, I just don't like him. I go, that's not a good excuse. And I don't know why. Sounds got, like a personal problem. I, yeah, I know. Like, literally, he goes, well, my expedition's faster. I'm like, okay. you have, oh, I'm like, God. here we go. So, so not only are you a Ford person, but you drive an expedition. Yeah, I'm like. Which is like, who gives a fuck? Well, no, but then, no, when you get a response like that, you're like, wait, why am I arguing right now? Yeah. Like, man, but, I've gotten this low. Yeah. It's kind of like online. Like, I, I have taken the hard lessons of over a decade of being on YouTube that it's never worth it. You know, just like if someone, unless somebody attacks you personally and, or your family or somebody else, like, defamation, like it's basically. yeah. Deal with if, that. If somebody's just like, yeah. this sucks. It's like, ah, whatever, yeah. you know, who cares? Uh, but if someone says something, you know, it's funny. I actually end up defending my friends more than me. Yeah. Cause I asked for it, you know, being online, you asked for it and you need to understand that you asked for it. And understand that people just love being mean sometimes. Nope. And that's okay. Yeah. Some people are just cunts. <laughs> what? No. The echo. Ah. <laughs> well, let, let's jump into SEMA a little bit because I, sure. I want to ask about that. Um, so how, how was SEMA this year, first off? Just like compared See, to the Yeah, SEMA year. was good. I would say it was, an int- it was interesting because – not to get too much into it, but like with Ken gone, like Ken Block gone, that was an interesting vibe. And, yeah. you know, they had his stuff on display and oh, it was, it was, I bet that was rough. it was rough. Like, and I don't mean, I mean that in an honorary way, not yeah. in a demeaning way. And so, you know, they had his, they had the Hoonicorn there and they had that. So in the Hoonigan burn pit, you know, which was wild this year, probably the wildest burn yard I've ever seen. Ben Hobson burnt his car to the ground. Like, cause he just doesn't care. Meanwhile, I'm like, oh, that one fender costs. Ah, you know, that's all <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about. Uh, he was literally doing burnouts with his wheel on fire. Like there's people literally burning nice. their cars down on purpose. Like it was weird. Like, cause something happens to people when they go in that burn yard. Like Dude, it, it's, it's almost like glitz and the glamour. That well, what I, what I say, it's like the Roman mob, you know, like if a gladiator was like, I don't really want to hurt this guy, but I have <laughs> oh, to hurt awesome. this guy. Yeah. It's like, you know, like they're like, yeah, you know, the entire crowd is like burn it to the ground. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Cause you know, it was also Payne's first time doing the burn yard. And oh, I, cool, yeah. and I told him like, oh, and no, I literally no. said, don't that. get carried away. It's so easy. You will. And you know what's funny? I've never seen, I've never been so proud of somebody going into a burnyard pit and properly drifting. Yeah, it it no, wasn't, but it wasn't. Good. The problem was is doing the burnyard and drifting is so different in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because your your whole purpose is to make the smoke and be dramatic. And T Pain's doing these perfect lines, like grazing <laughs> the wall. And everyone's like, whoa. And I'm like, He's doing it right. This is better. Yeah, this is what better. Are you about? Right. But, you know, it doesn't create that glitz and glamour as much. So the next day, I was like, what you need to do 
is do a big go fat, spin out I said, 30 times. I said, do a big fat grease because he was gripping up from how much rubber there was. Yeah. And um, it's weird how rubber on a racetrack can either be the greasiest thing in the world or the grippiest thing in the world. There's like no in between. Yeah. Depending and on so the track with, with pain, he, when he flicked out his first time, he gripped up and would start understeering. Mm, it wasn't yeah. his fault. It was just the surface. Yeah. So basically, the next day, I'm like, hey, just do a big, fat, nasty burnout first. That way you get your tires nice and greasy, and then you can just play around. You know, you can do your figure eights. You can do your donuts. You can do all that stuff. And it, it was way better, right? And then um, Homeboy Hurt goes out in his K-Series 240, and you always know something's going to happen. You know, because... Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Hurt is hard on cars, and I love. <laughs> by the way, hurt. If you're watching, I love you to death. But man, I respect. I don't know how you, you can just be like, it's fine. Yes, you know, dude. Respect. But he comes around, and he's. Um, what's funny about pain is, like, with hurt and pain, hurt forces him into submission. You know, to like tandem, almost like, hey, we're doing this, whether you like <laughs> it or not. And pain's like, okay, I'll get it. I'll get it. Fine. Yeah, fine. Fine. You know, and that's the push that pain yeah, needs. Though. Yeah, like but that. no, but he's. Yeah, I just want to say, Payne's a brave man. He gets in front of thousands of people every day. And so Hurt comes around, and his car catches on fire. <laughs> and they pop the hood. Uh, you know, they, they make sure they're safe. <sighs> but yeah, it was it was cool to see Hurt in his new element with Nappy yeah, Boy. Dude, I think that's a killer move for him. It is. It, it, it definitely is. Um, because you have to remember, like, Hurt was employee, like, number four at Hoonigan. You know, and he just got a cool opportunity and he took it. Yeah. You know, and when I heard about it, I was like, that's a perfect fit. It's oh, an dude, absolute it's perfect fit. So perfect. I mean, that's why I support them. It's because I like what they do for the community and they get more people into it. Yeah. And they have a reach that none of us drifters or anyone associated has. Yes. And that's to like, you're just, you're gaining like the little, average human being correct and yeah attracting them to drift yeah because it used to be called it used to be called nappy boy drifting yeah like, oh yeah, we're, yeah. We're, they go oh we're alienating you're like we need to get everybody yeah, in the cars and it. and it was so smart i yeah. mean the guys at nappy boy every single person at nappy boy is nice every single one i love working with them i love drifting with them on the weekends it's just and it feels pure every time i go and talk to them at lanier or yep. event or whatever dude they're awesome they're so they're humble. so chill they'll sit there and talk to you for as long as you yep. want just, yep dude, exactly they are integrated in the scene mm -hmm. that's the difference they could be above the scene but they're not yeah no. they show they, sure they show up in a badass rig but that's about the extent of it. But it's like it's a badass rig, but it's so it's small. Like yeah, it's not yeah. a crazy dramatic yeah. rig like you would expect out of a T Pain. Yeah. But it's it's it plays but that I, fine line. Yeah, to I me, can I only think. say positive things. Yeah. And and it's not because like he's T Pain and he's hurt. I can only say positive things because they're just good people. Yeah. And it shows. they're fun to be around. It's so funny to see like T Pain go from being judged as like a hip hop artist and like, why is he trying to get into drifting to proving his worth Yeah, and understanding he's good. Yeah. Like he's Even, naturally talented with it. Like I just love the fact of celebrities, like genuine, like actual celebrities getting into the sport. Fucking Nick Cannon. They at SEMA, he was they there. Threw Nick Cannon. I was like, first of all, why is he even at SEMA? Dude, I know. Second of all, he's in a drift car. Yeah. He just, well, not driving, but rode along. He just apparated out of nowhere. You know, yeah. like, like what, who, where, where did you <laughs> Wait, show up? On. But no, it's 
it's really cool to see a lot of people get inspired by what Nappy Boy's doing right now and go, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, you know, like, it's going to grab I, other dude, celebrities to do it. It's crazy to think that, like, Baby Got Brap increased their Instagram following by, like, 100K or something. Yeah. That's outrageous, like, in a few days. And it's a joke. The song is a joke. You know, it's just a cool automotive song. And do you know how many people at Cosmic Drift were blasting that in the carport? Like, you would walk by and hear, bum, 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 Yeah, bum, it was bum, the entire bum. event. Yeah. And, and I had four people, because I had a, a catered playlist at the event that where I didn't want it to be played on shuffle. Like, I literally, I'm not even kidding. This is how meticulous I was. I timed it to where the vibe was to sundown. So, like, as the night went on, the music got more intense. Ah, so like it was that's like smart though dealerships play that that little it's a psychological thing like depending yeah on the seasons and like time of day yeah like that you play yeah well it's like musics. a dj right yeah, they're, they're really trying cool. to read the room and i i was playing it in my head like okay this sounds better for when it's during the day you know yeah. it's more happy it's more bright it's more joyful and then by the end of the night you got warehouse you know like <laughs> warehouse the 160 BPM, like crazy craziness. And people are just in the carport, like, you know, it's (laughs) awesome. And I will say, I did wish you put little cutouts on the side of that carport. Yeah. So So here's, so yeah. So the issue was with that was, we're sorry. We're bouncing all over the place, by the way, whatever. (laughs) I don't give a shit. This is great. I mean, well, it's all connected, right? Maybe <laughs> got brap to the carport because it was it, we did Cosmic Drift at the same time. Maybe got brap was coming out. Yeah, it's all good. Whatever, they'll keep up. <laughs> There's plenty to talk about. Yeah. Sorry. So, anyway, but the carport um, had two major factors. Was one was carbon monoxide, right? Mm-hmm. Which sounds like a no brainer, but you don't think about it. Um, so we rolled the the uh, tarps up some. But we realized next year, big big fans. That's what we're gonna yeah, do. Yeah. That's um, and. You know, there's so many lessons learned from the carport. Also, the speaker that we are going to put in there was a lot louder and that we just couldn't figure out the wiring of it. Uh, So we had to go borrow just like a Bluetooth one. And so next year we're going to have an actual sound system in the carport. Yeah, that I that that was robbed for me, I think, in some ways, because I had this vision of people all listening to the same thing because you're united in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you want to you create that unity before you go out and do something cool. Yeah. So, like, even if what I thought was super cool was, like, atmosphere can even shift people's musical taste or they can shift people's environment. Mm-hmm. And so if you have, like, I don't know, you're going through the carport and you're not a dance music person, but you have the person next to you in their big helmet with their bobblehead yeah, bumping. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna feed off you're of that. You're at least gonna nod yeah, a yeah. little bit. Like, like, okay, it's not so bad. You know, yeah. you know, that's how you get the vibe. So but it ended up working everywhere else. When I went up into the stands and stuff, I saw people like jamming pretty good. Yeah, so if you're was, introverted, you definitely a, know what we're talking yeah, about. <laughs> yep, yep. It was a good feeling though. It was a good but yeah, but hearing so many people come up to me and go, hey, um, when you get the chance, can you play Baby Got Brap over the speaker? <laughs> like, I got that at least 10 times. At least. But it, it shows that on a loop to play every 20 minutes <laughs> or something. <laughs> you know, over and over again. Um, but no, it it was cool to see that they're making an impact in such a different avenue, you yeah. know, in the musical scene. Because the song did really good. I was like, 
not surprised because it's so niche. It's already almost at a million on the I music know. video. I was like, oh, dude, by the way, side note, uh, side note, T Pain edits his own music videos. No way. Yeah, he edited Baby Got Brap, and I was fascinated by what? that. Yeah, so we, that's also You're a gangster, dude. Oh, so, so get this, like, uh, sorry. He's about it. Oh, he's, oh, he's more than so about, about it. it. So he, we're at the burn yard, and, you know, he, he got his burn yard thing done yeah comes back out and he's like antsy i'm like what's up man he's like i'm just trying to get back to the hotel do some editing like he is always on with creative stuff because he went to la did a film shoot then went to vegas then uh did the burn yard started editing that music video from the film shoot in la then he got a residency at the, I can never pronounce the name, but it's the club that's at Resort World, the big hotel there. Okay. And he had to go do a film shoot promoting that. So what he did is they closed the street off and he did some like skids and then parked in front of the club. Like I got my residency, you know, kind of thing, <laughs> which is really cool. So he was always on it. Oh, also, side note, speaking of hanging out with T-Pain at night in Vegas, I saw Chelsea Denofa rap like half of Enter the Wu-Tang on karaoke what and Payne's face Dude, is like anybody have a video of this? i do <laughs> yeah and and by the way i mean that as the most positive thing in the world i like i thought it was the coolest thing in the world because i because i love awesome. lo- something you never see out of hip hop is my favorite so when i heard him i was like there isn't he goes he goes up this to the mic be real life <laughs> no he goes up to the mic and goes so we doing this and i'm like yo what's about to go down shout out to you no seriously like the more and more like it was just so cool it was so cool because uh we were at this place called area 15 yeah. uh have you been there before i've heard of it it's awesome there, no. it, it was one of the coolest additions to vegas they ever did the entire place is black lit and very atmospheric Sick. and they have this thing called meow wolf which is uh like an art thing where you go through a grocery store yeah and, and you yeah, open yeah. a trap door and you go into like a psychedelic world and it's really cool um, I want to go to one of those. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, upstairs, there's like a game room with like pool tables and arcade games and stuff. That's where they had like a drift hangout social. Nice. nice. And so, yeah, Payne was there. Hurt was there. It was Hurt's birthday. So it was like perfect for that. Dude. And yeah, it was just, it was such a cool unification of everybody in the drift scene. Like people from Hoonigan were there. People from like Gary from Hoonigan was there. Gary's also a sweetheart, by the way. Unbelievably yeah. nice guy. He's got the R34 with the LS in it uh with the he's awesome um but yeah it was cool like in that room was like jared the announcer from fd chelsea Dude. vaughn t-pain hurt <laughs> uh the fun haver crew the rtr employees the rtr That's team crazy. like it was just such a cool vibe to see people just not drifting you know just yeah. seeing just how out. they are in a in a fun environment hanging out having a good time and it yeah it was this sense of like man we do get to do some cool stuff you know like as a whole the automotive industry like we it might be one of the hardest industries to really stay in a long time and keep yourself in and everything but once you're in it's kind of like a brotherhood you know and i'm not claiming to be super close with any of those people but as just an atmosphere, seeing it as a as a fly on the wall was pretty incredible. Because yeah. It, yeah, it just showed that some of the best drivers in the world know enter the Wu Tang. <laughs> you, <Yeah. know? laughs> you know, it was super cool. I had mentioned that on the the last podcast too. How like you don't seem to, or 
now you seem like you are, but you didn't incorporate yourself a lot with the big YouTubers and the whole scene and everything. Yeah, because I, you know, it's this weird, it's this like weird thing. It's, I have respect for everybody until they disrespect me. Yeah. So that's kind of, and that's, I'm sure you understand, that's kind of how you're raised if you grew up in the South. It's like, Respect someone until they give you a reason not to. Yeah. I feel like sometimes that's. I literally the, say that all the time. Yeah, Respect but is this given is until this is like not. this is how I feel when I go specifically the entertainment industry in L.A. Right, it's the opposite. You you have to like Fuck prove LA your, in general. Right, but well, not, like <laughs> there's there are good people in L.A. But what I'm saying is is oh yeah, yeah when it no, comes no. to the film industry. In the entertainment industry or the automotive industry, a lot of the times I get the vibe of, who are you? You know, like, prove to me to get yeah. the respect. You got to be on my level type. Yeah, attitude. yeah. And so, and that is a broad statement. I want to make that absolutely clear. Um, but, yeah, I just respect everybody. And I, I get kind of this idea of I'll do what I do. And then whenever it's convenient for my friends, as in the YouTube scene, then I'll go see them. Because yeah. I'd much rather have an interaction like this and sit down with them and not just film something. I'd yeah, rather I set agree. aside some time to where it's not always an event or always doing something. It's just like, I just want to come you hang out. You always feel clocked in. Yeah, so the, yeah, the first time I ever spent a long time with Adam LZ... Mm. was I was at a Cars and Coffee event in uh, Jekyll Island, <laughs> South South Georgia, near Savannah. Oh, okay, okay. And I did my thing. I was good. And I was texting Adam, and I was like, yo, I know I've like we never like hung out before a lot, but I'd love to come down and do some videos and stuff. And he goes, yeah, just come on down. Yeah. So I drove the three hours or whatever it was, stayed at his house, got to know him way more. That's and cool. then drove I, that's when I drove his cream 240 the first time that's when I drove a bunch of his stuff but now every now and then like I'll only I know I'm not a burden right that's not what yeah. I'm saying but I just think it's better for everybody because car reviews for example take a long time right like mm -hmm. you understand this yeah. like I am taking people's time you yeah. know if if I go um but then you have the nice dinners and hangouts after that, you know, rather than just, hey, we're at an event. We're doing meet and greets. We got to do this. We got to go film this. We got to do that. Like, that's yeah. that's not what I'm seeking. Like, yeah. collabs are to. cool, but I'd much rather do a collab that feels more organic and just like we decided to hang out. Um, yeah. Hang out. I'll, I'll touch on this up. one. Like, Taylor Ray, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, Taylor will know exactly what I'm talking about if he if he's watching. But... The first time I met Taylor was at SEMA years ago. I think like 2015 or 16. And I was, I just clicked with him really well. Mm. And we ended up hanging out. I got a rental car and it was me, Taylor, Adam, and some other people that all went to Fremont Street. And I okay. ended up just like really hitting it off with Taylor that night. And I ended up get we end up going back to his hotel like we just park outside his hotel and we just talked for like three hours you know like it seems like that person right that just and that. and it was we'll just super forever. cool just like getting to know someone in the industry that way yeah. rather than like oh nice to meet you you know nice to meet you because because <laughs> as a creator you're kind of pressured to collab with others right it's like you have to do it you know it's like not really you've 
it's better to well, yes and no. Collabs For are important. This I kind of have to. Collabs <laughs> are important, but you want to make sure that it's going to appeal to everyone's audience. Mm-hmm. That's another thing I've realized that just because one audience likes something, the other one's not going to like it or vice versa. So you have to really think about it. Um, unless you just film videos like you're just friends hanging out. Yeah. You know, like yeah. more vlog style. Jimmy Oaks. Yeah, style. exactly. It's, like that shit works if you can pull it off. Fucking yeah, works. But, but um, wow. Full circle back to SEMA. Actually, the, yeah. you, you were in his video, right? Or was that Grant's? I, I did see Jimmy briefly, so maybe. I I, I haven't seen I it I was watching someone's video. Grant was with him. So, it. yeah, so I'm sitting. It, it is neat, though, because I, uh, I met up with um, a creator named Rich Rebuilds. He okay. does, like, uh, he did, like, the really famous LS Swap Tesla and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, Incredibly yeah. smart guy. I respect him to the nth degree. Yeah. And uh, I text him. I go, hey, I haven't like hung out with you in a long time let's like take an hour aside and just hang out so okay i'm at the ebay motors tent or, or ebay motors display yeah. in north hall i go okay so i walk the whatever many steps all the way there he's sitting at a table i sit down and it's just me and rich rebuilds talking you know hanging out and then freaking grant shows up then jimmy shows up just a then sword. tommy Evia shows up then so it just kept going yeah, like, so, oh hey i know those people <laughs> yeah so we end up all this talking for a little bit you know the C- the number one thing you get out of sema is usually before and after sema yeah. that's what's so funny is like it's usually like let's go grab dinner or let's go do this thing and then we'll talk about cool stuff right because mm-hmm. then you create a bond that's organic and not swindly and yeah. not like, hey, I'm coming to your booth for free shit. You know what I mean? That's not what it, that's not what it comes off as. Yeah. It's like let's work together on something. So let's let's feed off of that real quick. So whenever someone, let's say a new creator, someone has never been to SEMA for specifically that reason, sure. they're going. They want to have the right idea going up to these booths. Like, sure. Obviously, you don't want to just throw sell yourself immediately to these people. Like, what, yeah. what's what's your kind of general? um plan going into SEMA. First you need to go there with a plan. Exactly. I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> but the issue is is if you treat SEMA like a car show, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. That that's my opinion. So here's my example. In 2014, it was my first year. I went and filmed the whole thing. I got nothing out of it. Yep. You know, I didn't talk to people. Because that, that's that's why I'm bringing this up because that's yep. what I genuinely thought it was several years ago. It yeah. was just like this crazy car it show. It is and in like, some ways, yeah, but more so outside networking. But yeah, it's all about networking, and at the same time, like I'm not an expert on pitching myself, right? But in 2015, I went back with a completely different mindset. I go, "What goals do I want to meet this year with my car, yeah. or what do I want to pitch myself as, or whatever?" And then I go, "What I'm going to do, and I do this every year now, is I walk the whole show for three or four days." or whatever it is, and I take notes. I go, what were my favorite cars? If I want to make a SEMA video, which sometimes it's up in the air, you know, because so many people do it. SEMA videos normally fly. You have to be real careful. Like, uh, in my opinion, it's it's better now, it seems like, as like a social media thing, not a YouTube thing. Like, here's my favorite cars at SEMA or whatever. Um, Short forms. What I've noticed is my most... I've had two successful SEMA videos, and one was a very special case where I had a one of one overnight stay permit. Um, a group called con media 
had connections to SEMA higher ups, and I was able to literally stay the night in SEMA. Whoa! And so I knocked out. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's not anymore because it's the same year that intake manifold was stolen. Oh shit! Yeah, so uh, that video is probably my favorite SEMA video I've done because it's almost eerie. You know, I'm walking around a convention center all by myself. Yeah. The outlets where they use for their vacuums stuff to clean the place drop from the ceiling. One hit me in the head, and like, you know, and it was, and I slept in a camper uh, at one of the booths. Yeah, there's oh. a there's a sponsor called Lance Camper, and they said, "Yeah, sleep in SEMA for a night," and so I did. So when Dude. I woke up, I put on my badge and walked out. You know, it was so funny. Um, but anyway, that one was cool. But I could sell that because it was unique compared to everybody else's and then the second one was i tried to get more of the camaraderie of sema right because if you just do it by yourself like a video by yourself it's just not great Mm because everybody's doing the same thing yeah the second time around i brought my friend grayson from off the line performance and my now wife and i went around the show for three days i took notes of all the cars i really liked and didn't like and I said, this is at booth so-and-so. And I would take it in my notes. That way, when I went to film that one day, I could just attack it. Okay. So yeah. I, I knocked it out with my wife and Grayson in like three hours because we knew exactly where to go, what to do, get their Sorry. opinion. But then you're not just listening to my opinion. You're seeing a female's opinion. Mm-hmm. And then you're seeing a performance tech's opinion. Right, so it created this friendship feeling vibe of we're all hanging out at SEMA yeah. rather than just like here's the top ten blah blah blah, you know, um, Give stuff for people to discuss. In exactly. The too. Uh, but going back to your question with SEMA, <laughs> oops. Uh, essentially, if you don't have a project going on, whether it's a video project mm-hmm. or a car project, you're gonna have a real hard time. If you just go, I have a YouTube channel. Or I have an Instagram page. They're like, so what do you want from us? Yeah, what you have to have something. So say you go up to I don't know a turbocharger company or something. What is their use if you don't have a vehicle to put a turbo on? Right. Yep. So you have to go to them and have a very like you ever heard of the term elevator pitch? Mm-hmm. So an elevator pitch for people who don't know, it's like in the movie industry. If you were to get into an elevator for 30 seconds with a executive producer at 20th Century Fox or something, and you have a movie idea, yep. it's the elevator pitches. Here's my idea. This is all I got. This is all you need to know. This is it. Short, and they go, simple, yes or no. Yeah. So you have to go to companies with your elevator pitch. So let's take my weird project like the Dodge Magnum, mm-hmm. right? It's a Hellcat Red Eye into a Dodge Magnum. And it's a wagon. Yeah. Right? So it's unique. It's like, oh, wouldn't it have been cool if they made a Hellcat wagon, right? <laughs> so you're pitching out this niche idea that is not very common. Uh, only a few people have done it. Uh, and not, you know, Junkyard Dave, shout out to Junkyard Dave, he did it. And another one called the Hell Wagon, they've done it. But when it comes to like making a video series about it, you'd be like, I have eight episodes planned out. Here's everything there is to it like this episode will be putting the subframes on this one will be the brakes this one will be that this will be interior now you're giving people oh that's eight opportunities to show our product Mm -hmm. right rather than just one and basically i'm going to say it for the people in the back putting a sticker on your car Mm 
does nothing for a brand. Usually. It does nothing. That's like the last thing I even mentioned. I'm like, and of course, yep. the spots on the car. Yes. But so the priority. The reason I know. say that is getting sponsored has this preconceived notion that just because you put a miniature billboard on your car that you should get free stuff. The issue is, is that, that may work with local companies. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Like sometimes it's better just to buy something oh, because yeah. the amount yeah. of work you do for a brand, and I'm not saying everybody, but the amount of work you do for a brand, you could have saved up the money and man hours to just get it. Yeah. And that is, you know. I, I had to, I'm not going to say who it was, but I had to say no to to one myself because it just like the offer that, I, and it's, it's nothing to them. Either. They're just not in the placement to be able to help drivers like that yet. Right. And it, it was just too much. I was, they, they didn't want a shit ton, but like. I still had to fork out too much up yes. front, so I was like, I, I just, I would personally just rather just buy. So it. here's here's an easier example. So, um, in 2015, when I was doing my experiment of filming less but talking more, yeah, um, I went up. Excuse me, I went. Up, I had an itch on my face. Um, <laughs> I went up to uh, my 13 Coyote car uh, had pretty much hit the limit of bolt-ons. Right. Like when it comes, I didn't have lawn tubes on it. It didn't need lawn tubes. Coyotes don't really respond to lawn tubes a lot without uh, force induction. Mm -hmm. So it just isn't worth it. So, in my opinion, my opinion. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, maybe, maybe the next step is to put force induction on my car for a video. And I know my subscribers love that car. Um, I still have it, by the way. I'm not saying it's gone. Um, yeah. But I know they love that car. Wouldn't it be cool as a big moment for my subscribers, viewers, to see me put boost on this car? And it's a simple video. I would just show the entire install, show how easy it is, right? And I'm like, okay, so who can I talk to? So I... I looked at all the different brands. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go turbo. It'll take too long. Yeah. You know, at the time, the support for turbo coyotes was there, but it was a lot more complicated. So I was like, well, you know, what about Pro Charger? Yeah. You know, so it was the first year I hung out with Kyle Loftus of 1320 video. Okay. And he had a connection to a guy named Sean who had a booth car Pro Charger. Nice. So I talked to Sean, shout out to Sean, incredible person. He still has, or he did at the time, the fastest car I've ever reviewed. Um, it was a 14, it was almost 1500 horsepower GTR. Jesus. Yeah, my left foot was coming off the dead pedal when I was accelerating. <laughs> like, it was bananas. Anyway, super nice guy. Wild. And uh, I go up to Pro Charger. I said, hey, it'd be, you know, a big moment if you guys wanted to collaborate or whatever. And I think I might be getting this wrong, but I think the deal was is that I ended up buying the kit and then the video would come out. And then if it was a success, I'd make, oh yeah, I'd make two or three videos on it. And then if it did well, I would get reimbursed. So that was the deal okay. I did at the time, which is a pretty high risk deal. Yeah. Um, but I was really confident that it would work. And that was that, right? Yeah. So. So then I realized, okay, so whenever I go to SEMA, I need to have a plan, right? Yeah. Every time you need to pitch yourself. So if you go to SEMA, you should have two two goals. One, meet people is number one. It could be anybody. It could be a YouTuber. It could be a shop. It could be a creator. Yeah. It you could never be know who a that service. person knows. No, you have no idea, Yeah. right? And so treat everybody with respect. 
you have no idea how mm. like the automotive world's big but not really like everyone yeah. knows somebody that knows I had, someone i was talking to someone that said they got they got some help from rome sharpened sharpened yeah his last name always fucks me up but he was like literally just go to these shows meet somebody make a relationship and ask them to introduce you to someone yeah, I was like that's yeah. pretty for your like first time. If you don't really know what to do, that's smart. Do that. Yeah, because it'll give you your it'll first bridge connections. The gap. Yeah, it'll bridge the gap, and it, you need to give people a reason to come to you, right? Mm-hmm. Because let's say, for example, like the first year at SEMA, I didn't have a lot of stake in it, right? Because I only had at the time, I don't know. Let's say I had thirty thousand subscribers or something. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't really sell myself that much, yeah. right? But the next year I had, I think, a thousand, a 100,000 or something. That is a much better selling point. And mm-hmm. you can say, listen, I'm a growing channel. Things are going well. People will be excited for this, blah, blah, blah. And also, here's all the things I'll do for you. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that you are a, they are your client. A sponsor, you're their client, not yeah. the other way around. See, I would actually argue that you don't even... I would say you at today's age, you don't need the big following. Not I, as much. No, you just dude, need consistency. I just tell people, look at Nate Hamilton. Yeah. He doesn't have a massive following. Right. But his face is where it needs to be. Right. Right. So, yeah, it's, I don't know if it's the following itself, and this will make me sound like I'm backpedaling, but it's one of those things where whatever you do for this company needs to make an impact. Yeah. It's not like I'm a billboard. Like, it yeah, just yeah. it's just not the same. So, for Nate, for example... His actions speak louder than words, right? Yeah. And for a video creator, you're providing a service. Mm-hmm. You know, you're providing just like if somebody were to make a wedding video, you know, or because I used yeah. to, I did that a few times, you're providing a service for a client. And even like, let's say Fortunato. I love Fortunato. They're friends of mine. They're from my hometown. I'll do anything to help them. But on a business level, Hey, uh, how about we do the Fortunato 510s on a Miata, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, what's the plan? Let's do a before and after comparison. Let's do this. Let's do that to show that the value is there. Yeah. You want to show You're off. something to look forward to. Rather exactly. Than rather than just like, up. I just put this on my car. You know, yeah. it just, people don't really care about that. They want to, because car parts are expensive mm. now more than ever. So, if you're going to pitch something to somebody, if it's worth the extra 300 bucks, you know, how are you going to do that? And I, I think with donut media, especially with the high, low cars, no that was an ingenious God, idea. Yeah. And it really showed like, okay, some places you might be able to pay a little bit less mm-hmm. and some places you can't, you know, yeah. you just shouldn't. That was one of the most valuable like series. Oh, absolutely! And like, and I'm not even a big fan of Donut Media because it's so like professional. Like, it's so what they've done though is really impressive. Yeah, I was about yeah, literally about to say that it's very impressive. But like, I just can't consume that type of content. Oh, I totally understand that. Well, you know, some people like the really produced stuff, and some people like the more vlog stuff, and um. It's like with I'm I've just always a grassroots guy, right? Dude, I've tried the, to meet kind of. Shit. I've always tried to meet kind of in the middle to where it's like just quality enough that it could be a TV show, but at the yeah. same time doesn't lose that rawness to it. Yeah. Like a lot of people go, David, why don't you use lav mics? 
And believe it or not, it's because I want people to hear everything. You know, I want them to hear the gears turning. I want them to hear the acceleration. Because yeah. if you have a lav mic on, you're not going to hear the engine like you would with a shotgun mic. It's just not going to be the same. You might. Now, I will say, you with them little DJI. Oh, those or, or the road ones. Those are good too. The DJI ones, I would say, because they're magnetic. Yeah, dude. I I saw this dude that does TikTok videos of just like this beautiful driving footage. It's just him driving. Yeah. But like you get the engine sounds because he takes one of the DJ and puts it on the back, puts it in the engine bay. Yeah, it was and it's magnetized, so it just stays there. See, that's really All the smart. Turbo noises, but I th- I'm making more just like talking and driving. Yeah, you just expedite the process, right? Because for my exhaust clips, I literally just throw a GoPro on. Yeah, I just go boop. All right, got it. We're good. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, it's going back to SEMA briefly, but yeah, just know what you're there for. Mm-hmm. Don't go just to go. You, you need to go there with a goal, even if it's just to talk to people. Yeah. I'm here to talk to David, or I'm here to talk to Jimmy Oaks, or I'm here to talk to RTR, or I'm here to whatever. They're going to be there, yeah. right? You just have Everyone's to have the guts there. and the courage to go up to them. Mm-hmm. And that's always a huge issue, too, is a lot of people. Do you know how many messages that I get that are like, I saw you, but I didn't want to bother you? I'm like, that's why I'm there. Yeah. Is to that's a big problem that I have at events more or less right. because I know like they're driving, they're in the middle of doing a job. Yeah, like, it's physically but what you, well, that's for. why you kind of like wait for the opportunity, yeah. right? Uh, it's in, and I'm working at the same event, so like right. it's the well, that's hard as fuck to find. I think when people have, how do I say this? People have negative interactions with YouTubers in the auto world. It's their timing. Yeah. It's like if if. So and so is at a drift event or I don't know, a drag event, and they're knee deep into changing a tire or change or whatever. That and they're time. like, hey, bro, can you? It's like, no, wait till they're done. Wait till their stress is done. Wait Comment, till their car's you've ready. Done that before. Oh, it, oh, I've seen it. And I've seen them get the look, oh, no. you know, and of like the. And then they're the ones that go on social media and, like, and say they're mean to me. Like, Shit, he's a cunt. Blah blah yeah. blah. No, he's not. Like, read the room. Yeah, you know, it's if somebody is sweating and they're impact, ugga dugging their wheel and tire, they're ready to go drifting or they're ready to go drag racing. They're not there to do a meet and greet right then and there. And that makes me sound kind of like negative when it comes to meeting people because i will take hours out of my i'm too nice right i don't care if somebody bothers me while doing that but some people are like i'm doing something you know like leave let me be this is not the time right now yeah um however when you do something in this industry you kind of ask for it you know like you need to understand that those are the people who pay your bills and also put food on your table so If you don't take the time of day, maybe you should work on that. You yeah. know, like I'm still in that like moment, that time period where it's like I that barely happens to me. So like every time it does, I'm like, this is fucking amazing. No, it, I always tell people, I love you. <laughs> I always tell people that if you're doing anything in any sort of entertainment industry and people recognize you, you need to embrace it because you're doing something right. You're obviously doing it something feels amazing. right. It does feel amazing. And I don't even mean that in a narcissistic way. It's just that cool feeling of I just do what I do because I it, like it. It reassures you that you're not just doing this for no fucking right. And reason. I think there's a big difference in between the 
I appreciate you coming up and saying hi or the you don't know who I am. <laughs> nothing, oh, nothing God. irks me more oh, when I dude. hear a YouTuber say those words. Nothing. And it's also the biggest red flag. Like, don't ever hang out with those people. No, ever, ever, ever. I don't care how big they are. Yeah. Like, just run away. Because it's just not going to go well. Oh, no. Yeah, because imagine that one day they go up to a big brand. They're like, <laughs> yeah. you don't know who I am. It's like, good job. Tell me how that goes. You know. Have caution meeting your heroes. Yeah. Yeah, thankfully. Have common sense. Yeah, thankfully, heroes. I have never had the uh, don't meet your heroes incident. Uh, if, in fact, but I think that's just because you're more understanding of the situation. Like you just maybe, maybe you have more common sense. Like this dude's obviously busy. Yeah, like, probably. You don't put yourself yeah. in those scenarios. Like yeah, some people do. I, I would say like I always tell people like not that I have all the answers, but when oh, it comes yeah, to meeting course. high profile people, like let's say pain or my personal favorite like when it comes to like holy crap this is happening it was keanu reeves i got to meet keanu reeves and no way. yeah at a uh michelin driving event and i bet he's cool you know what i did i just treated him like it was a normal guy yeah. like that's what you have to do is hey how are you doing yeah. almost pretend like you don't know who they are because then they'll have an organic conversation with you rather than I love your movies. I feel like that's what they, they earn just, for is like someone to just treat them like they're normal. Well, not like they like are the a, celebrity they are. To go to the very the freak out. To go to the very <laughs> crazy end of the spectrum. This has nothing to do with drifting, obviously, but <laughs> like to, to say what you just said, regardless of you thought of the guy, and I have my reservations of Michael Jackson, but he mm. would literally rent out grocery stores and hire actors to like treat him normal like he would so he could pretend to grocery Dude, shop normal level but isn't that like nuts isn't that nuts but that's what i'm saying is like it just shows He's playing a, dollhouse as an adult bro that's crazy literally <laughs> like wow, wow ah. but <laughs> it's just bizarre you know like that that human beings can get to that point you know yeah yeah, That's, uh, unimaginable for me. Well, it's like the uh, there's a documentary called I think it's called Super Mensch, and it it was it's all about Alice Cooper's agent, and he also managed Jimi Hendrix and managed okay. uh, Janis Joplin and all that. And the very the very first line of the movie is, "If I do my job right, it'll kill you," <laughs> like basically making you famous and everything else. Yeah. Like he was like, I ne after seeing it, I'm glad I never became. You know, it's yeah. really interesting to see that perspective where he was earning the same money because of the fame, but at the same time, he was like, oh, good, that didn't happen to me. Yeah, you know, yeah. in hindsight, I would never want to be at that high of a level. Of no, fame. no, no. The the, fuck out of me. Like I get recognized Yo. sometimes at the grocery store, but like, that's dude, pretty. Look at fucking Trump, bro. He's got to watch his back every <laughs> second of the fucking day. It's going to be huge. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dude. It, let's, yeah, we'll stop that part before. I oh, no, it's fine. Dude, I, there's so many times I want to rant and rave about the shit going on in this world. Oh, yeah. But it's I like, mean, my, my, uh, no point right my now. My wife, because I always tell people if I was an automotive podcast, I'd be a history podcast, right? I'd be political as right. fuck. Right. Yeah. No, but the thing is, is th that is such dangerous territory in this world that no matter your leanings, no one's going to understand. 
You know, like, even if you have a certain point of view. I truthfully am tired of fucking seeing a lot of major, not necessarily even major creators, but, like, just completely shying away from the subject a little bit. Like, yeah, speak your mind a little bit. Like, some people need to know that. They look up to you. Like, we got to. Yeah. Well, you, even the, if the I reason don't even believe in what you're saying, tell yeah, them something. Yeah. So the, the way I look at it is um, my parents Indo- like very much indoctrinated me into the notion of like celebrities are out of touch and they have they shouldn't be saying that crap okay so we actually got extremely political in this part so i have to take it off of youtube because youtube will hate that uh but i am going to leave it completely free for patreon so link will be in the description if you want to go watch it if not appreciate you watching anyway okay um well i i wanted to bring up your one of your recent videos this sorry we just jumped off oh i don't care it's randomly fine. but um one of your recent videos where you, you were talking about how you're trying to branch away from doing strictly just car reviews and like more of that type of vibe on your channel what are you yeah. trying to switch up exactly it's not so much i'm trying to switch up it's just this year i just did too much like I look back at it and I flew like almost 300,000 miles. That's absurd. And what's so. How much money did you spend on flights this year? Delta loves me. That's for sure. Delta sucked. Uh, I hated them. Why? I love Delta. Dude, they I've never lost had a, one of my bags. See, I've like never every, had. Every see, time I. Get every a Delta other flight, airline has screwed me. They're the Dude, only ones Southwest, who have never. Southwest, I've they, never had an issue oh, with. Oh, I got one for and you. Everyone else. Oh, does. buckle up. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so, speaking of EDC, the Electric Daisy Carnival, I had my flights booked for over a year, and at midnight, they canceled my flight with no explanation and never made it right. <sighs> and then. They put my friends on Southwest on seven planes to make it to Vegas because they had no other option. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> I have the receipts. Anyway, de- see, I Delta's- always hear nightmare stories from them, but I've physically never had an issue with Southwest. That's but crazy. Well, you also have to remember how much I fly. Yeah, right? well, yeah so, that's true. Statistically, Delta's never lost my bag. They've always gotten me. I've never been late. I've never had a big delay. I've had a 15-minute delay. That's the biggest delay I've ever had with Delta, ever. Oh anyway, God. we don't need to talk about airlines. Yeah, Point of the matter yeah. is, I flew I flew a lot. I traveled a lot. I filmed so much. And what's so ironic about it is that I have uploaded the least amount in my entire career because I haven't had the time to edit everything, which then makes me go home and rush which then in turn makes me go to my office, which gets me away from my house, which then keeps me away from my wife, which then keeps me away from my friends, which then keeps me away from everything. And then I just binge edit until it's done, right? Until I have videos lined up. So like, for example, I've had two to three videos a week on my channel for almost 10 years. This year, I struggled to get one out a week sometimes because I was just, on the move and by the time i'd get back to my hotel room you know at nine or ten at night or whatever i just didn't have the energy to be like i need to edit a video because i i used to edit no matter what right i used to like even if i was in like up till four i'd do it and i've realized that the world just will go around you know what i mean if i just pace myself but 
the downside is is that it's my time management is really tough. Like I actually um to better myself this year, I actually got into Muay Thai and I loved it. Like I absolutely <laughs> loved it. Um it was an escape. It was, it was different. amazing. I was in much better shape. I was mentally less stressed. I was learning a new skill. And then I had to stop going because I was flying too much. Yeah. Right. So and it would sucks as a bunch of my friends there were trying to hold me accountable, be like, where are you at? I'm like, I'm in Italy or I'm in California or I'm in whatever. It wasn't that I was lazy. You know, it was that I just couldn't physically the get move. there. I've I've always admired people that like they're genuine at that level of subscriber base and like just content yeah. level. They're able to still be a one man show. Yeah, it's yeah, fucking it's incredible, brutal. Movie. And I basically in that video, what I wanted to break down was was like finding the limit of if your job is your passion you automatically assume there is no limit because you're like, it's my passion. Who cares? Like it's, I will bury myself into the ground because it's what I love to do. So who cares? And I hit that point of like, I I literally could get on the plane train in Atlanta and recite the entire thing. Like the intercom thing. I could recite, all the intercom things. I knew every Dude, song. By that's the way, on if planes. you've never been to the Atlanta airport, it fucking sucks. See, I, I disagree. It's horrible. I disagree. I it's it. the easiest airport in the world. No. Easiest it's a bunch one. of fucking rows. It's, it's just It's aisles. straight lines. It's, you get on, it's terrible. No, you get one. Okay. Sorry to every, jump off again. But no, every just, other airport, oh. you'll have multiple buses, multiple shuttles, multiple that trains. That is true. Atlanta, you get on one for everything and it's on the same train line and you can't mess up a b c d all the way to f terminal is all in the same train and it's and it's 30 second intervals in between each stop i know that's bad (laughs) but anyway point of matter is i was i overdid it this year (laughs) and um i took on too many sponsors i took on too many projects i was event planning i was I, I was drowning, you know, like every morning I would wake up, not grumpy, but my wife was like, dude, you wake up and instantly get stressed. Like, it wasn't like, good morning. It was. That's the shape I'm in. <laughs> I would wake up and go, I have to go do all this stuff, you know, immediately out of bed. Like I would go take a shower or whatever, get dressed and just hightail yeah. it out of there. And then um, along with that, our uh, I know this is a side note, but our shower in our house had black mold under it, which means my bathroom had oh, black mold no. under it, which then means that's $15,000 to fix, which then makes me overwork some more to go, well, I need to pay for this, yeah. which then gives you more motivation to go, oh, well, look how it's paying off because I'm working harder, but now I can't upload enough because now I'm not getting back to my office enough, which then keeps me away from my wife. It just like yeah. over and over and over again. And I, I, ironically, at Ford Fest, Vaughn, goes dude you're just always traveling i'm like yeah. and he goes how's the wife feel about it and i was like i never really thought about it that way which makes me sound yeah. genuine disingenuous um which shout out to her she's a fucking no rock she's a trooper dealing with she's a rock star for it and it's so, not dealing with it but you know. it's it is dealing with it because i come home and i'm just exhausted you know i'm exhausted i'm tired i uh i'm like man i need to get some me time and all this stuff but in other words, I think 
trying to find that limit between your passion, your work, your balance, also dealing with financial issues like the bathroom and stuff like that all at once yeah. can be very overwhelming. I'm also financially recovering from the the freaking uh, Magnum from last year yeah. because I got completely robbed on that opportunity. I spent so much money on that when I wasn't supposed to. Yeah. Uh, that's a long story, but that, that ravaged my bank account. And so, mm. oh yeah, big time. So recovering from that, dealing with the bathroom, which then gives me motivation to work harder, which then makes me go, oh wait, I should just say yes to every opportunity. Yeah. I, I told people in that video, if you've ever seen that movie, Yes Man, like, just say yes. And so oh, if yeah. somebody would email me, go, hey, we need you in France three days from now. I'll go, okay. Like, Fuck, no, no. So dude, I did this nuts. one trip. I did this. Oh, you think that's nuts? Oh. I did this one trip to Madrid and back in 40, 40 something hours. No. So I get an Absolutely email from Nissan not. and Nissan goes, hey, we're unveiling our Formula E car do you want to come see it in madrid mm. and i go that sounds cool what's the, what what's the catch they go oh it's just in and out i go all right and i noticed on my airline account if i did this it would make me diamond medallion on delta so i was like <laughs> okay that's i'll just do this trip and uh but at the same time it was, but at the same time it was a cool opportunity uh, they had the Nissan Leaf electric race car there, too, that I got a ride along in, which is crazy. It's all carbon fiber Nissan Leaf. It was weird. What? It was weird. I never put up the video yet, but I'm going to. Uh, but in an elevator pitch, what happened was is I flew in, forgot a phone charger. So I only had a European phone charger because the mm, plugs are different. Yeah, yeah. So I'm only on like 20% when I land. And I get there. And basically go for a ride along at this track. Then I go back to the hotel. Don't even get to rest. Put on clothes again. I, I've already been up probably 16 hours at this point. Because uh, I didn't sleep on the yeah. plane. I just, I had a loud passenger. So, you oh, know. So I get there. I'm like, holy crap. What am I going to do about all this? So I go to the unveil. And it it went fine. But mm. then after that, I'm like, well, I can't really take photos because my phone's dying. And the event was above downtown Madrid. So I didn't get to, like, see Madrid. That was my other reasoning for going. I was just in the suburbs of Madrid. Yeah. So that was kind of a bummer. So I go back Damn. to... Uh, so I was like, I could have just Ubered to downtown Madrid to see it. But my phone's going to die if I do yeah. that. <laughs> So I'm like, and then my boarding pass and everything else is gone. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. So, because you can't charge my laptop ever. Also, because I don't have the outlet adapter and I don't have a, a, a way to get an outlet adapter, right? Because I'm always on the move with Nissan at the time. Yeah. So like, because it was a very strict schedule, like they they had it planned out perfectly, right? So I didn't. Nobody had a fucking charger. You no one borrow. did. No one. Oh my God. Yeah, because everybody was like, oh yeah, we forgot too. Oh. So. I get back on the uh, the bus to go back to the hotel. I nap for a little while or I try to sleep, but I'm all jet lagged up. Wake up, go to the airport. And then after that, get on a flight. I won't say what airline it was, but they actually did a really good job. But I was so stressed because I get on this flight and we sit there and I have a connection in Amsterdam that's only an hour and 15 minutes long. But I'm sitting on the tarmac in Madrid for like 40 minutes. 
because somebody on the plane used like a fake ID to book their luggage. So they thought it was a threat. 16 pieces of luggage had to be taken off that plane. And I'm sitting there like sweating. Like, I'm not going to make my connection. I got to make it back. I'm not going to make my connection. We finally take off. I go, hey, how big is the Amsterdam airport? They go, massive i'm like crap. Oh, i go no. is there a train they go no i or, or a bus or something i'm like they're like no oh. and I, so when we land thankfully i was front row oh. i was like a freaking racehorse ready to go i'm standing at the door like Whoo. they're like if you make this this is a <laughs> down no like so they they printed off what terminal i was at in in midair and they're like oh my god they go this isn't good i was on the last gate of the last terminal on the other Dude. side so I get off and drop me off on the way. But in. You have to remember I have a heavy backpack, laptop, camera equipment, everything, yeah. and uh, a roller bag. And I am sprinting and I have asthma, by the way, and I'm starting to have an asthma attack. I'm like, <gasps> and I'm, and I'm, oh, I'm sprinting man. through and it's Christmas time. So all the lights are pretty and everything. And I'm like, I wish I could look at this, but I can't right now. <laughs> I want to enjoy yeah, this. Yeah. But I'm running and running and running. Then I forgot about the freaking border control because I was in the Netherlands now. So I had to give them my passport and everything wait on that, then keep Mm. running. And like a quarter mile away, I could see my gate and I'm like, wait, wait. And they're, and they're, and they're closing the door. I'm like, wait. And I finally get there and they go, where are you coming from? I go Madrid. They go, you made it. (laughs) And I'm like, and they're like, you're good. You're good. So, we gotta let this guy. So on. I so they let me in, and I'm going up to the front because they thank you, Nissan. They put me on business class, and I never get nice. to fly business class, so it was a cool treat for me. And I open my cargo bin up top, and there's a tiny, tiny person there. I mean, like a little Louis Vuitton expensive purse. Yeah. And I'm so exhausted. I'm like, I don't care. And so I take my bag. And I put one up, and it fits just fine. And I go, oh, my camera bag can fit, whatever. Yeah. So I go up, and as I'm reaching up, I hear, um, it'd be really great if you didn't crush my very expensive purse. And I turned around. I said, lady, <laughs> oh, hell. you have a business cabin with a footwell and storage cupboards. Can you please just put it down there? She goes, no. That's my purse. It's up there. And I go, ugh. <laughs> and I literally just put it aside, and I, I put my bag into another bin. Oh, I'd have been like, okay. Yeah. Well, then it's kind of get smushed. What the fuck do you want? Yeah. And I, so I was just over it. Remember, I'd been, oh, I, I, I hadn't been up people. the full 37 hours, but I was pretty close. You yeah. know, I took like a power nap. So I remember just sitting in that, in that uh, business class thing and just being like, it is <laughs> knocking out dude but that was gross and sweaty yeah. and like i had run but like i have so many travel stories like that to where i get back home and then i just don't have the time to edit it because i'm on to the next one you know so i had lots of in and out trips this year like that to where i was only somewhere for 30 something hours or so mm. or even less i did one where i i, I flew to detroit film something and then got right back on a plane and flew home like I've done that quite a bit, like in and yeah, out of cities. Mad like, man for that. Yeah. So, yeah, in that video where I'm like, I overdid it. I'm yeah. sorry. You know, that's 
that was a big stepping stone to be to accept it you know mm-hmm. to accept like this is why i haven't been uploading not because i'm lazy but because i did the opposite i mm-hmm. overdid it because if you get a cool opportunity you were transparent about it yeah if you get a cool opportunity it's hard to say no oh, you yeah. know and Very hard. especially in this industry to where you just want to stay, keep that momentum going. Yeah. You know, you're just like, I got to upload something. I got to go do something. I, and plus, as a lot of people know on my channel, the reason my views go like this is because I experiment so much. Because mm-hmm. creatively, it just helps me to throw, you know, to be like, oh, I'll try this yeah. or I'll try that. Well, a lot of people kind of box themselves in, you know, to one thing that'll work for like three years and then it's just the same yeah, crap. the niche falls off. A lot of people don't realize I, I, I contribute a lot of the reason why I'm still around is because of that experimentation. Because mm-hmm. then I can try a new video series out or I can try yeah. a new whatever out and then go, okay, what do people like about this? And uh, last but not least, I planned all of Cosmic Drift by myself. So that's that's the other that thing that was the thing that killed me because i you I, when i came up to you and talked to you you were like i mean every day this week here since up till three i had friendship support stuff like for that. sure when like, it came to putting dude. up the lights but when it came to planning it designing the carport yeah um d- doing the concert visuals making the playlist i called hold on keep them busy <laughs> before i show you this so i uh so I personally called. Uh, <laughs> if you can see, oh, they can't see this, but this is everybody I personally called to come oh, to my event. My God, because I wanted a high quality list of drivers. That's insane. Yeah. So if the crowd, if the crowd, if the if the <laughs> podcast can't see it, it just goes forever. It's like two yeah. or three hundred names, and. I individually, personally called everybody because it meant that much. That's to what me. it takes, though. It does. If you want it to work? You got to put that. Type yeah, because if you just make it. a post, the things people... that most people won't. Yeah, because if you just make a post and say, "Oh, it's just another drift event," yeah. like, because that, that's what last year was, right? I did three events last year as practice, but in the back of my mind, this was the one. You mm-hmm. know, like I got to practice three times, take all the notes from those three last events, and then go do it yeah. and what was really cool is i think as a as a big thing for me was at that area 15 thing i was telling you about earlier um the uh the founder of grid life was there mm-hmm. and he said congrats on cosmic and that just like made me feel so good because i look awesome. up to him oh, i've always yeah. looked up to him because he did an event that i think a lot of people thought about doing mm-hmm. but they just didn't know how to do it and he just committed Oh, and yeah. just over the years, learned from it. Changed things, and he was like, "Yeah, it, you're." He goes, "You're successful if no one got hurt. Everybody had fun. You know that's." And he's built that like that kind of brand mentality that like Yeti and like people like the FOMO factor. Sure, sure. But, like I literally saw a comment the other day that there was just some random dude. He was like, "I would literally kill someone just to experience grid life once in my life." That's an insane comment. That is an insane comment. Like, yeah, like literally think about that. Yeah, I mean. You've built that, you've instilled that in people. Just normal people that don't even know you. Yeah, and Grid Life when it was in Atlanta was really, really cool. But, you know, things happened there and it was a little weird. But 
it was just a cool thing to see grow from what 2015 or so to see it get bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's at Laguna, dude. And Laguna is a hard track Legendary. to book. Legendary. Yeah, the corkscrew Duh. drifts were sick. Oh yeah, Those were sick. Every single time one popped up on my feed, I'm sitting here watching this shit. This the is one, real life. No way. The one thing at Grid Life Atlanta, I wish a lot more people experienced was people drifting turn twelve, which is the one right after the bridge when you go yeah, down okay, the steep yeah. hill. Dude, mm. people were cooking it in 2016. I remember they'd come under the bridge, Manji down the first part, and then just haul ass all the way down oh, yeah. it, and then Manji the front straight into the S's. Like it's bananas. It was so cool. But yeah, when, you know, Michelin took over, which I think was a good thing overall because the track's cleaner. Now the buildings have been updated. They were like, yo, this is wild. Like, you you gotta, you gotta dial it down, you know, but yeah, road Atlanta is an incredible track, but I'll tell you what, I've been extremely fortunate to drive a lot of racetracks around America and it's still, Maybe the only track where before I get in the car, I have to mentally tell myself, be careful. Really? Yeah, because, and it's mostly all due to turn 12. Because when you go down turn 12, first of all, when you're approaching it past the keyhole where FD is, when you're going towards that bridge, there's a little like yellow square. If Mm -hmm. your car is not there, you're going off. And not only that, when you come over that crest, you can't see anything. You have no idea where you're at. (laughs) As you crest that hill and you come down, you actually have to let the car load and then you floor it down the hill. So in order to be safe. So because if you don't, you'll get twitchy and you got light on the tires and the rear. And yeah, you basically have to do this perfect line where you go under the bridge and then you carve to the left. You go over this little concrete patch that you go over. It's an easy Mm. visual reference and you're flooring it and you're like, I hope the car will do it. You know, every, but the rest of the track, <laughs> rest of the track, I love it. Absolutely love it. Turn 12 is what makes Road Atlanta, Road Atlanta, but it's also what makes Road Atlanta, Road Atlanta. You know, yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah. uh, and uh, Sonoma is a big kryptonite of mine too, because it's pretty bumpy. Oh, really? Yeah. So Sonoma is an amazing racetrack, but uh, there's a carousel that goes downhill a lot like Turn 12, but a little bit smaller, mm. but it's a little more bumpy and you have to floor it down that too. And it'll push you in understeer. It'll have you understeer like towards a concrete wall. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah. I don't like this, you know? Um, but yeah, like, ground. yeah, but as always, I tell people road, cor- excuse me, road coursing helps drifting, drifting helps road course racing. Because if you get yourself in a really bad situation, road course racing, you'll know what to do and you're mm-hmm. not going to panic. Yeah. You're going to have your vision in the right spot. You're going to have your hands in it the right spot. Me just daily driving randomly. Rainy days and shit. Oh, I yeah. Kicked, I took a turn to the fact on that the fucking interstate one day. sliding a car is not in our DMV curriculum is mind blowing. Yeah. Because if you go anywhere else, like in uh, Germany's the best example, you know, they train for like a year for the driver's license. And no it's shit. like, yeah, and it's obscenely expensive to get your driver's license. It's like over $2,000, I think. What? I might be wrong, but it's, ex- let's just say it's expensive. Even if it's near that, it's right. crazy. It's very expensive because they train you for a long time in different conditions, uh, vision, control. The speed limits are higher. They're, yeah, because <laughs> but I will say when you drive on the autobahn, you go, oh, this is why it works, because ev- almost everybody I've ever encountered on the autobahn was a good driver. Almost everybody, because yeah. 
what people have this misconception is that the Audubon is one road. It's all of their highways. That's their road system, basically, their highway system. And so as soon as you get that symbol where it's a, it's a circle and hash marks through it, that means no speed limit. So the left lane is no speed limit, and the right lane is just cruising. Mm-hmm. And the right lane, by law, you are not allowed to pass. The left lane is for passing, and it's enforced. It's oh, not like wow. here where it's like, oh, I'll just you know go yeah. around. The autobahn is like, get out of my way if I'm faster than you. And people looking, they're always out of the way. I had an M4 and I was doing over a hundred for a long time there, and every single car saw me coming, and just got out of the way. Dude. No one has like lane pride there, you know. Like here, we're yeah. like, "Oh, this is my lane. Like I'm not oh, letting I you by." Fucking hate yeah, that but shit. yeah, in Germany, they're just like, "Yeah, he's faster." I'll ride okay, your ass. like close. Yeah, it's just so funny because for some, for a country to have some of the most like harsh modified car laws in the world it's like the epicenter of speed yeah because they have the the norse life nurburgring all that stuff the nurburgring is something that every car guy should visit at least once i want to it's incredible and like because somebody i remember told me it was overhyped and i was like "Eh, okay and then i got there i was like nope (laughs) this is spot on (laughs) yeah because and the other note i'll say is Never go out there by yourself the first time. You need to have, in my opinion, you should have an instructor who knows the track. Oh, okay. Because yeah. you can, there's a school out there called Apex. I know it's a very original name, but it's great. Uh, the guy who runs it has the entire track memorized. And you'll get in what's called, what I drove was a Seat Cupra, which is like a GTI. Okay. Reskinned. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't realize that it doesn't matter how many video games you play. It doesn't matter how many sim you've done. Almost every corner at the, at the Nürburgring is blind. Almost every single one. No shit. So there'll be like double or triple apexes, right? Where you just keep going and you think you'll oh turn in earlier, but you have to keep you going. Straight up memorize right. the track. Right. So he goes, okay, you're going to go all the way right here. I'm like, why? Like my brain's like, why do I go here? And then he's like, okay, keep going. I'm like, keep going. You know? <laughs> and then he goes, okay, now turn now. I'm like, I would have never known. Meanwhile, you're out there with a ton of traffic, you know, so with people who do know the track. That's crazy. Yeah, so that's a bucket list thing that everybody should do at least once. Oh, road, yeah. Road course racing. Shit. On a drift podcast. Ah. On a drift podcast. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, um, that's... Dude, I think we covered a lot. What time are we at? Whatever it is. Two and a half it's been hours. nice. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else you want to bring up about the events or SEMA or anything you want to um, shed some light I on? I think what I'll bring up is that I know I said it earlier in the podcast, but I have a video series coming out within the next month um, that goes all the way back to like 2016. I have raw footage all the way from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be kind of a mini vloggy documentary series about my drift car, about the struggles I went through it, the people who made it worse, made it better. And also just the whole concept of it, of we try to do something original and the lesson of being original, not always the smartest thing to do. And finally I drove it and I learned a lot and that'll probably be the last episode of that series of like, Hey, it's not perfect, but you know, we did what we did, but it's all about this drift car. It was an S 13 that had a one J in it. Three day, like three days after I bought it, it blew up. I'm like sick, so I pulled the motor out, added up all the money, 
to see, you know, how much it would be to replace the one J and make it better and clean it up. And it added up to be about the same price as buying a brand new crate engine from somewhere. So I was like, that seems like the better idea, but I picked a platform that at the time nobody had done yet. And I was very ambitious and wanted to be the first one, but outside forces really held me back from that and lack of skill. Yeah. You know, so eight episode series, probably eight to 10 episode series. Uh, Shout out to freaking next entire. They're helping me with that. Awesome. And yeah, that's about it. We're calling it project Katana as in mortal Kombat Katana. (laughs) Because the color's pretty close. Uh, okay, so, okay. yeah, because I, uh, a lot of people know I'm a big Mortal Kombat guy. And, uh, I was like, I'll okay. be real with you. I've never played it once in my oh, life. Oh, well, yeah. Fighting games are frustrating. So, yeah, I'd, well, this is just a video game thing. Yeah. So, I, I don't do video games. Yeah. But. Oh, well, good for you. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a hobby that'll take you away from a lot of things. But I, I it love it. It gives me really bad anger issues. That's why. What? You have an anger issues about stuff? With, no. No. With, okay. <laughs> <Listen>. <laughs> anyway, Dude, moral no, of the story Project Katana Drift Car Series coming out either November, early December. Sick. That's it. Hell yeah. Follow my stuff. It'll be on the screen in the description, of course. Hell yeah. Well, all right. Well, that's really all we got for this one. So if you want to give your best advice this go around for anyone getting into drifting. Keep it simple. I know you guys say that every (laughs) podcast, but find a proven platform that has a huge aftermarket like a Z or a VET or a Mustang, or honestly, even if you don't like Mustangs, guess what? If you get it hurt, you won't care that much, won't you? But the thing is, is there's better platforms out there than trying to be original. And also, seat time is king. Mm -hmm. Find a car, you can just do it as much as possible. And You may want to be unique, but... It's not worth it. If you want to be unique, be unique after you've learned how to drift. So learn how to drift first in something that has a huge aftermarket. Then go out there and do the crazy stuff because then you'll have the skill set. You can adapt to it. You can adapt to your driving style. You can learn all the rules of drifting when it comes to good. You know, be smart and have two drift cars at that point. Yeah, don't be me. (laughs) Yeah, don't be me either. So, (laughs) yeah. Long story short, look what other people are doing and don't blame them for what they're doing. There's a reason why people have LS swap stuff. There's a reason why. People have 350Zs with bolt-ons because mm-hmm. the chassis is good for it and it works and parts are cheap. Lean into it and find something in good condition. Pay the extra $1,000. I know it's going to suck. Pay that extra grand or two and just realize that if you can drive it on the street already, you could probably drive it on the track and just start that way because the last thing you want is to be in the middle of winter on your back on jack stands trying to fix a 500 dollar car Busting you just did knuckles. oh yeah yeah especially Don't when you have that, that guy uh, <laughs> ding oh, yeah the worst thing dude. worst thing but yeah keep it simple listen to dawson <laughs> that's all i gotta say about that jenny okay. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah well again i appreciate you coming back on this was awesome as uh, always for sure we'll have to you'll have to come down to your shop Next yeah, I'm down. That's what we'll have to do. Comment if you want to see that. But that's it for this one. I really do appreciate it. Uh, if, of course, remember, if you want to be on the podcast, 
You can email me at thecircledrift at gmail.com. Just make sure to put the subject as Drift Resume so I can organize it, of course. But, of course, hit the subscribe button, bell notification, and I will see you each week, each Sunday, for a new podcast. Peace. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. Staying way up, up, up to the ceiling. Trust no bitch, can't catch no feelings. I've been taking long flights from the bay to Ibiza. Hit home runs, I'm a ball like Jeter. I just want fuck, 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 then I leave her. I'm a young pop star, call the boy Justin Bieber. Got a little money if you want, I can teach her. Whole life a movie, you can watch it in theater. Staying way up, up, up to the ceiling. Trust no bitch, can't.